In Bat 497, the legend ends. When the criminal mastermind Vane breaks into the Chiropteran Cavern, it spells disaster for the legendary vigilante Bat in the latest publication from Ah Comics. Get your hands on this oversized, extravagantly swollen package of stunning comics glory today so that it may pump into you all manner of wonderment, fill you to overflowing with ecstasy, and allow you to ejaculate with praise of this stunning masterpiece. Penis. Available at linktr.ee slash awe.comics, 47 pages of story, 30-page pinup gallery, for only $15, adults only. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very 175th episode of What the Fuck Are We Talking About? I'm one half of your hosting duo, Ron Beak Third. I am joined here, as always... By Mr. Ryan Alves. Ryan, say hi. Hey. Hey. Um, Ryan, what the fuck are we talking about on tonight's episode? We're talking about Josh Simmons' bat masterpiece, Dream of the Bat. Dream of the Bat. And, you know, a lot of people might not have been able to get their hands on it, but uh, they should... Yeah. If only to listen to this fantastic episode. But anyways, <laughs> and to know before, what we're talking about. <laughs> before we deal with the topic, uh, we're going to do the standard off-topic. If you don't want to listen to that and you just want to hear about Dream of the Bat, jump ahead to this time code right now. Ryan, how was your Christmas? I was... Uh, nothing. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I finished uh, the Punishment uh, sequel outline, Ooh. and uh, <sighs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I watched some stuff, grew some stuff. Cool. Yeah, I had some plans to do some stuff for Christmas, but they uh, didn't happen, so I was like, well, I guess I'll just uh, see a stupid movie, eat some Chinese food, and... Uh, yeah, get a little work done. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, watching a stupid movie is is something. Oh yeah. What stupid movie did you watch? Uh, Kill Zone. Kill Zone. I thought you were gonna say Avatar: The Way of Water. <laughs> no, I saw the the new Avatar the the night before, so I was uh, I went out and saw that epic fucking sizzle fest and. Uh, cool yeah just basically got uh three and a half hours of of james cameron trying to convince people that he's got something with the next one and he doesn't no it's just like he barely had something with the first one exactly that that thing made three billion dollars is a travesty of the highest order well it's just like people be being like wow, look at this animation. But Mm -hmm. when I look at that animation and I see all that water and I see the detail Uh and I I sit there and I marvel at just the labor of everything, all it says to me is like, look at this team of probably brutalized animators having to work for 10 years, probably like hellish. They probably worked a thousand years in the last decade that it took to put this movie out. And like... 
you know, I see that and I see like a low return on, on this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, these people are just getting brutalized for what? For James Cameron's Pocahontas, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know? And far be it for me to Shit. actually care about animators, but... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Ha ha ha, funny. Um, but, no, I, uh... I agree. I agree. I mean, like, the thing is that everything special about Avatar has nothing to do with James Cameron, and it never did. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> Everything special about what that first movie was has nothing to do with James Cameron. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, I kind of feel the same way about this one. And I'm a little disappointed in you <laughs> spending your goddamn money to go well, see that movie. You know, I, uh, I had to have something to do on Christmas Eve. And, uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, I figured you would have a busy schedule. Don't they have, like, a Christmas Eve mass that you would go to in uh, celebration man, like, of the... Mass of... The mass of... Uh, it's like a mass to... You, like, give thanks and praise to God and everything and the the whole oh, Jesus God. coming... He, Jesus <laughs> was born on Christmas. You know, do you know this? That Jesus was born on Christmas? What? Yeah, that's so that's what the whole thing was about. So that's the day he came out of the egg, right? <sighs> yeah. The that Easter the, Bunny shattered on off. Yeah. yeah. The Easter Bunny shattered he shattered on I think it was on Paul that he pooped it out and then Jesus came out and they were like, "Oh my god, look, it's a fucking bunny baby." And they crucified him. <laughs> And then they thought he was dead, but he came back, like, two days later and was like, hey, where's the beef, you know? And that's what... I, I'm i paraphrasing. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know that you're devoutly religious, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. But yeah, you didn't go to a mass? No. That's I, weird. Uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, Who are you, and what have you done with Ryan? You know? <laughs> no answer. Just <laughs> silence. No. no, he's Ryan. Ryan's dead. But he'll be back in two days. But he'll be back soon. Yeah, he'll say, "Where's the beef?" We just gotta um, find the egg. He's gotta. F- <laughs> That's the whole thing. The Easter egg hunts. Exactly. And like, you know, once we find it, then he'll come back. Um, yeah. And every uh, Easter egg hunt, it's like one of the like a couple of them might have change in them, a couple of them yeah. might have candy, but there's only one yeah. that has a fetus, you know, and that's the that's the winning egg. That's, that's the right. one that you're looking for. I understand Catholicism <laughs> very well. Um, what's what's not to understand? It's pretty straightforward, you know. Just do everything that he says, and you won't get hurt. Um, <laughs> Now, Avatar, The Way of Water. What's your mini review? Let's hear a review. <laughs> uh, just like the first. Actually, no, it's not just like the first one. I remember leaving the first one being like, I wish there was more like blue people stuff. And then in this one, it is mostly blue people stuff. And aside from, you know, some of the aliens looking cool and some of the. Uh, Some of the, like, 
you know, uh, world designs being interesting. It's mm-hmm. really just like a bad, uh, a bad allegory on you know Native Americans and stuff like that. And they got like a, but there's a bunch of uh, water tribe people that are very blatantly based on um, indigenous tribes around you know Hawaii and stuff. And those are played by white people, and uh, and they're doing, you know, they have like a couple like battle cries and gestures that are taken directly from like Samoan culture, and you know, it's mostly white people, I think, and it's just like guys you know this is still weird right you know and it's just well james cameron you know he he lives in a world where most everything has been sort of decided and like he he there's not a lot what i'm trying to say is there's not a lot of room for him to colonize (laughs) you know what i mean but in order to fill that need he's like well i can just colonize their stories you know what I mean? And he just kind of inserts himself in there. And, you know, if you say that he's doing something wrong, he's going to say, well, you know, representation, you know, <laughs> and I'm on your side and stuff. And he's going to gaslight you into thinking that you're being sensitive, yes. which is like a classic move. <laughs> classic James Cameron. Clutch. You should see the way that he whitewashed Titanic. <laughs> 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 That was yeah. a bunch of that was a bunch of penguins. The original that's why it crashed. Again, I know just about as much about the Titanic as I do Catholicism, so I might have some of the details off. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, broad strokes. It's a it's a marvel of modern animation, and I think it looks better than you know all of the Marvel shit combined. Um, yeah. But I think that's kind of what it's leading with, you know? And especially since this is, like, a water-based one, like... I guess water is notoriously difficult to animate and, like, make look legit. And they do a fucking insane job um, visually with just submerging you in this this world. (laughs) And... uh, you know, you, you kind of forget, like, you know, an hour in that everything is fucking animated. And you're just like, yeah. you know, and, and it's amazing. You know, it's really, yeah. it looks fucking amazing, but it's just, like, so basic and so fucking, like, dumb. And, well, you know. You know, it's just not saying anything or doing there's, anything else. There's a, there's a very, very obvious reason why Marvel movies are, don't look as good as this one as this Avatar movie, and it's, you know, I think it's very obvious, we've seen in the past year, the number of animators that feel empowered to speak out against Marvel's business practices, and, you know, you haven't heard a peep out of the Avatar people. So James Cameron, there's a lot of stuff I don't like about him, but man, does he have a stranglehold on his people, you know? And I think that that's really great. tight shit. I mean... I think it's really great. He's probably like paid for enough, like at least most of this stuff up front, because 
be if you're going up to somebody and being like, I got three movies, it's only gonna take me thirty years to do, and it's gonna take the budget that it would take to I don't know, cure homelessness a thousand times over. <laughs> but instead I'm gonna do this fucking cancer. stupid ass blue nated movie. <laughs> and uh just fucking Yeah, I don't know. It at this point, especially like the first one, if it was just the first one, would have been a really interesting like I don't know, just anti into like the modern blockbuster where it's like, now it's 3D. Now we got fucking, you know, crazy like viewing technology that everyone has access to going to the movie theaters. Like, there's a fucking huge leap forward in CGI. There's like, you know, more money dumped into this thing than like ever before just so that like it looks amazing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it kind of set the bar for. Or the curve, I guess, for Marvel movies, you know, and uh, yeah, and I think, you know, if it was just that, it would be kind of like an interesting piece of like history, you know, just having better CGI than yeah. most movies since, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, at this point, it's just like this weird exercise in fucking excess and yeah. like. You know, look at just how much I can, look how much money I have to spend on just animating this shit for what yeah. reason. Yeah. You know? It's like, if you're saying something, cool. But like this whole second movie is just him going like, no, but the third movie is going to be crazy. Like really oh. crazy. Everyone that died last time, they're back and they're blue. And that's cool, I guess. And they're hunting the main guy still. Yeah. But it's like, you know, main the main bad guy has a son who, like, keeps saving his life even though, you know, he shouldn't. And it's just, like, sequel fodder. And it's such, like, basic fucking sequel fodder that, like, I don't know, it feels pandering and stupid. But... Yeah. But it looks good. But it's a terrible movie. You know, just like the last one. Yeah. If not worse. But yeah. more expensive. You know, it's a worse movie, but it looks better. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's really weird. Like, it's like watching somebody's, like, watching, like, a CG animator's, like, demo reel or something where it's like, there's no story, but, like, wow, it looks great. You know? Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Here's my uh, machine, like, part <laughs> yeah. with, like, my all of my weird technology <laughs> and my display of, like, rusting machinery. <laughs> yeah. And I have, like, my boats, and I got some, like, fish, I got a whale, I got crabs, I got fusion tech, I got, like, aliens and stuff, I got jellyfish, and it's just beautiful, but, you know, I should have taken way more drugs. (laughs) I mean, that should be on everyone's tombstone. (laughs) Should have taken way more drugs. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. He just he he vexes me. I don't. Yeah. I, I really don't like him as a person. I didn't like him as a person before, and like now it's getting like there's more stuff like involving this movie that's being like kind of uncovered and whatnot that you're like, eh, you know. You just feel like there are better people that deserve. Like I mean, for instance, the animators that don't really their their name appears in a block. Of other animators' names, you know, in 
you know, point eight font, you know, meanwhile it's a James Cameron film, you know what I mean? And you're like, ah, you know, there's a lot of people that it takes to make a movie work, and I don't, I don't get the sense really that he cares all that much about the people he works with. Ultimately, and I, it's still Hollywood, you know. Yeah, I mean, I will never like my whole thing is I can't. It started way, way, way back. Is the Ed Harris thing, where Ed Harris is in the movie The Abyss, okay, and he is basically he's basically being asked to dive through a porthole, and he's going to swim underneath this this base. And then he has to come up on another, on like through another porthole, right? And James Cameron explains this all to him, and Ed Harris goes, "I'm a little bit nervous about this because I don't know if I can actually make that that stretch, you know, like I'm scared of drowning, you know, which seems like a reasonable thing to be fucking afraid of, right? But James Cameron goes, oh, no, no, don't worry, there's stunt divers down there, if you run into into any problems, you just, like, wave them over to you, and they'll come in and they'll give you oxygen or whatever. And Ed Harris goes, okay, and then he goes down into the porthole, and he starts swimming across the thing, then he gets halfway across where he's supposed to swim, and he's like, I'm gonna run out of breath. And then he, like, looks around to signal for the safety divers, and they're not there. So, he has to swim the rest of the way, he barely makes it, and James Cameron's like, great, cut, excellent, excellent work, and Ed Harris got up out of the thing, he walked around the little, like, computer monitor display, and he fucking decked James Cameron, (laughs) which was my favorite, one of my favorite moments of that entire story, is just Ed Harris decking James Cameron, because everyone should take the opportunity to try to deck James Cameron, it's only fair. Um... But it's just like the wanton disregard for other people's safety in the serving of his name. You know what I mean? And I find it really repulsive um, in other people. I don't mind when I do it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he said some some fucking terrible thing about like, uh, you know, if the Native Americans could see like their current generation, they might have like fought harder, you know, against like the white man or whatever. And it's just like, dude, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, James. Oh man, I I read the that the fuck? other day, and I was like, how fucking tone deaf. Uh, As is a dude what making the, the movie that he is, just like what? Yeah, what? I want to pull up the actual because it is Ugh. insane the <laughs> shit that he's saying. Oh, uh, fuck. Yeah, okay. Good Lord. He says, in 2010, The Guardian had mentioned that James Cameron's efforts to oppose the Bilomante hydroelectric dam, which led to the displacement of indigenous people living in the Amazon. In the article, Cameron said that he learned to reflect on the indigenous people in North America and said the Native American history was the driving force behind writing the script for the 2009 film Avatar. I felt like I was 130 years back in time watching what the Lakota Sioux might have been saying at a point when they were being pushed, and they were being killed, and they were being asked to displace, and they were being given some form of compensation. 
this was a driving force for me in the writing of Avatar. I couldn't help but think that if they, the Wakoda Sioux, had a time window and they could see the future and they could see their kids committing suicide at the highest suicide rates in the nation because they were hopeless and they were a dead-end society, which is what is happening now, they would have fought a lot harder. What a dead-end society. fuck are you saying? Like... <laughs> I understand, wow. like, if he, I don't know what the, what the stats are on, like, suicide rates or whatever, but, like, it's okay sure to talk it's high, about but that. Even still. It's, like, to me, it's okay to talk about that. You say, this is actually happening and it's really sad. But, like, mm-hmm. to start inferring the reason for that and to infer <laughs> that the reason for that is their fault, not Ugh. that we fucked them over. You know what I mean? And are continuing to fuck them over? Like, the problem isn't that America is making these people suicidal. The problem is that these people didn't fight hard enough. Like, what a fucking cock. What are you talking about? It's insane. Just ignore every systemic fucking injustice that, like, America has been built on for the last hundreds of years. Like, dude, (sighs) somebody else needs to punch you in the face, like, every time you say something like this. I mean, that is one of the most despicable things. Like, look, he almost drowned Ed Harris. He thinks that, you know, what happened to Native Americans is apparently deserved because they didn't fight hard enough. Don't ask him about the Holocaust. Don't ask him about the Holocaust. And he wrote a Spider-Man script where Electro's a rapist. I'm just saying, Terminator 2 is not that good. You know what I mean? You shut your filthy mouth. At a certain point, you you shut your filthy mouth. But... (laughs) Maybe? I agree with you besides. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you can watch Terminator 2, and it's fine. It's a fine movie, but, like, it's not so good that it excuses this oh, litany. No. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, no, nothing's that James good. Cameron can still be a giant piece of shit, and that can still be the perfect movie. Well, you got to separate a man from their art. I always say that. <laughs> no, you know? no. It's no. like, I have to be able to enjoy... <laughs> I no, have to be able to enjoy Toy Story despite knowing what I know about Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's that Homer meme when he's looking all sexy for Marge, but like on his back, he's just got like a bunch of clamps with like all of his like fat fucking looking like tumors and shit all yeah. bundled up on there. Yeah. That's what that's what Terminator Two is. I'm just going, <laughs> wow, good lord, this is awesome. But I I just know James Cameron is in there. It's going like it's just like fuck it's funny because like the the ones that he's known for like i think terminator and terminator 2 are really like the the his things but the other one that he's really known for is uh is uh aliens and there's like a contingent of people that are like oh my god aliens is so much better than alien and those people (laughs) need to fuck off because it's like they don't get it yeah they do not fucking get like that first alien movie is amazing it's a haunted house in space you literally like a haunted house on earth you can leave (laughs) you know what i mean it's a lot harder to leave a fucking spaceship it's it's a brilliant concept and like changing the genre doesn't make the movie better and not to mention like all the like subtext and just like i don't know the layers in having Sigourney Weaver there as like your protagonist as like the captain like yep. it just it just adds so much more and it's such like an awesome thing on its own uh, yep. 
and then you get the American eyes. Like, like Alien is actually like the result of um, Jodorowsky's Dune never being made. Yeah. And Jodorowsky's Dune had, you know, Mobius, it had Giger, it had the team on Alien doing the spaceships, the aliens, everything else, doing the houses of Dune. Yeah. And when that got, when the plug got pulled on that, they all kind of converged around the the writer that did a book with Mobius for Metal Harland back in the day. And, uh, can't remember his name, but they congregated around him, made mm-hmm. Alien, and, uh, you know, basically created, like, a thing that, like, Transcend, transcended the like American genre because it had a bunch of Euroheads on it. Yeah. And the second one, you get James Cameron doing his fucking American action movie thing, and it's like, give everybody here a gun. Yeah. Let's do this. And it's like, dude, cool. I get it. You know, I grew up in the 90s. Like, I love Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger as much as the rest of them, but like, anyone that can say that second one is a better movie than the first one, like, with a straight face. Needs to eat their vegetables. (laughs) And that just shows you how good I am at picking movies, right? Because I know that the first one is better than the second one, and I don't eat vegetables. So think about the disadvantage that I'm at, okay? And I'm still calling it. I, dude, I am a man of impeccable taste. You know, it's pretty incredible. Um, it's mostly like we talk about movies and I self-aggrandize. That's pretty much the entire show. That's how it works. Um, Just yeah. uh, David Cross and Scary Movie 2 fucking <laughs> self-aggrandizing all over himself. I mean, I have been compared to David Cross many times. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, now, uh, I did want to, you know, talking about Avatar and everything, despite my best wishes, uh, it is on the threshold of passing the $1 billion mark worldwide. Wow. Uh, it's expected to pass the $1 billion mark on Tuesday, which, for those keeping track at home, is today. Uh, not for you listening, but for us recording. It's Tuesday. Um... Yeah, so, I don't know. People are still going out to see it. I don't think it's having as good of a start as they thought it would, though. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping that it trends in that downward direction. They had a 50% drop in ticket sales in the second week. 50% actually isn't too bad, but I think it's certainly higher than they wanted. I mean, I think there's still a... There's a huge contingent of morbid curiosity goers out there. I mean, I'm yes. I'm one of them, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of them probably landed pre-Christmas or like Christmas Eve, Christmas yeah. Day crowd. Um, yeah. And whoever's kind of like going to see it from now are, you know, the people that are just like going for the, the spectacle of like a movie like this in IMAX 3D or something, you know. But yeah. I think, you know, that's why you make a movie like this. Like, this is the movie fucking Scorsese is talking about when it's like, oh, no, Marvel movies are like roller coasters. It's like, no, this is actually just all modern movies are 
Yes. Yeah. You know, they're spectacle. They're fucking all sizzle, no steak. Billions uh-huh. of fucking technology and like CGI for no fucking reason. And, yep. uh, you know, money that could be better spent anywhere else. But instead, mm-hmm. you know, you just keep getting this. Yeah. See, I stayed home and I enjoyed the opposite. Oh, yeah. How was, was your Christmas? <laughs> oh, no, no. My Christmas was fine. Uh, <laughs> but I stayed home and I enjoyed the opposite of all of this. Instead of all sizzle, no steak, I got all grizzle, no steak. All right? So did you watch Man vs. Wild? I watched Zachary Levi make an asshole out of himself. Uh, let's take a listen. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Uh, now, I let's hope you can hear this. We'll find out. These holidays, and let's see what's going to happen on the other side of all of this. And like I said... I have no idea what's ultimately going to happen to me. I think I'm in a pretty good position. I think we made a great movie. I think it's going to do well, reasonably well. I hope so. But again, regardless of that, if they decide at some point that, hey, this is the way we got to go, I mean, them, you know, them's the breaks. That's how it goes. And I hope that I, I hope that people enjoyed, at whatever point I finished playing the role of Shazam, I hope people enjoyed my tenure playing the role and that they come with me to whatever else I get to go and do. That's it, okay? So... I don't want to – it's it's hard for me to see all these random comments and, and, and like basically lies and things that people are throwing around online and not want to respond because I hate lies. I hate deceit. I hate injustice so much. Um, and so I want to set records straight. By the way, so does James. He's been doing this for a long time. That's why he's so active on Twitter because he really wants people to know what's up truly. And wanting to set records straight. And so it's, you know, that that's why you'll see act, action from me or him or other people coming to defense. It's not because we want to get tied up in some random argument with an internet troll. It's because we're trying to help cut through all of the, this random, you know, deceitful banter that just keeps going around and around. Because a lot of people who are very good, kind people who really like Shazam or these other things are getting worried. Like, oh, is this all falling apart? Is this all going away? Yes. Everyone just take a breath. I know we've seen some characters, some actors that are taking an exit, and I know that's difficult. That's difficult for even me. You know what I mean? I was hoping I got to work with a lot of these folks, but it's just not the way it's going to go down right now. And I I think you all need to, whoever out there is still like all drummed up and pissed off, like just trust that James is so, look, if you haven't watched what he did with Guardians, which was a total niche property that he actually brought really awesome life to, and his reboot of Suicide Squad that was better than the first one, he really made something incredible there. He understands comic books, guys. He understands world building. He understands how to do right by the canon and also by the by the characters and also by the audience. And Peter's there to be an, he's an incredible diplomat and business person. I've worked with him now for years. Ow. Just breathe. It's uh, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be better than okay. But we have to give them that. We have to give them some respect and some trust in that. These are my two cents. You take them for whatever you want. But that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna take them for this is a man groveling for his job. That's my <laughs> that's my instinct. Now I don't know if I'm right. You know, but I listen to that and it just sounds like a bunch of like a bunch of ass kissy gobbledygook 
you know, where you're well, like, if this is going to be my last time, and I, I don't, I don't want it to be my last time, but, but if it is, and I, I, and I gotta, I gotta not be Shazam anymore, even though I really don't want to, I think, yeah. I think you guys could do a really good job. I think you yeah. could do a better job if I was still Shazam, and I want, yeah. I want, you know, but it's just yeah. like, yeah, man, you're fired. Yeah, like, just stop, just stop. Like, I, the thing that really got me was, like, he, in another portion of that, he talks I mean, he's, about... he's talking in a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. He's going, breathe, breathe. You know, because not minutes before he started filming, he probably, like, ripped his apartment apart. He fucking, like, split his TV <laughs> over his knee. He fucking, like, you know, killed his cat or something by accident. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I my thing is, you know, you talk about it and you say, you know, it's hard not to respond to people who are saying, like, random comments and things online. I'm going to tell you something. It, it is hard not to respond, but don't respond. Because it makes you look like a jackass. You know what I mean? It's just not a strong move. And, like, if you're... What is your... What is the aim of what you're doing? Are you jumping online to rush to the defense of your new boss? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, look... You, you're in a unique position. Shazam is not so intrinsically tied to everything else. So, like, yeah, you might squeak by. But I don't think you will. I do think they're going to start over entirely. I don't get the sense that... Like, I mean, the only thing that I've heard at this point... Like, the other day they had a rumor going on that the Green Lantern series had been axed. I, I, they've come out to uh, refute that. They said the Green Lantern series is still happening. And that's a really interesting case where something that happens, it started during the DCEU era, is being allowed to continue. But the Green Lantern was never really established in the DCEU. So you can just kind of fucking continue on and just incorporate him into this new stuff. <clears throat> so... You know, that makes sense to me, but I, I don't think Shazam... I, I don't expect any of these upcoming movies to matter, you know? Yeah. And I just feel like the the energy that he's bringing to it and sort of the, like, you know, we're not trying to set the... Like, we're not coming out here to, like, set the record straight, you know, because we want to get into an argument with, like, some internet troll or something... It's like, well, you're doing it. You you've you've done it. You're there now. You're in this place. You chose to be here. You know? You should have just let it roll. Let it roll right off your back. Yeah. You know? And just stay calm. But he can't do it. Yeah, dude. <clears throat> he, he had one of the only like successful fucking Snyder movies besides like Wonder Woman and Aquaman, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you know. And it That's a feat. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was... Like, Shazam was... Good. You know? Yeah. It wasn't great. It didn't have to be great. It was fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was a movie that I didn't hate watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, like, waiting for it, but I never did. But it's like, you know, cool. You did that, maybe you'll do it twice. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's time for something new. Yeah. And it seems... I don't know, like, all of it just seems, it seems very disingenuous to me. 
like uh, I didn't really buy much well, of what he was saying. Like I'm disappointed. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to work with these guys. I was I was I was really looking forward. I was looking forward to working with some of these people. Well, you he's know? an actor. You know? <laughs> like I don't fucking think you were. I don't think you gave a fuck at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I never heard him. Like you know you had people involved. And look, I I am on the Snyderverse bandwagon. I think we kind of are on the Snyderverse bandwagon in some ways where, like, we enjoyed the Snyder cut. We would like to see that story get kind of resolved, you know? But when I look back at, like, the people who were... had power and could have used that power to try to help a sizable amount of the fandom that did want to see it. I look back and I, I don't remember Zachary Levi posting any, like, you know, release the Snyder Cut stuff. I remember, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson being on that side, and I remember some of the people directly involved with the Snyder Cut, you know, like, it was a big day when Ben Affleck said release the Snyder Cut on his Twitter, and you're like, holy shit, wasn't expecting that at all, you know? But... It's just one of those things where, like, I don't... When you say, I was looking forward to working with some of these people, it's like, I don't feel like you were, because these are all Snyder's people, and you you didn't care then. Doesn't appear... I've never heard Zachary Levi say anything about it. I mean, I know? don't care about Zack Snyder's stuff either, but um, I'd like to see a Justice League too. You're And I like the Snyder cut. Huh? Yeah, I was just gonna say, you're, you're flip-flopping. You always say oh, yeah. you like I mean, the like, Snyder it's cut. It's like the 300 and the Snyder cut are the two movies that I like from Zack Snyder and, like, yeah, the yeah, yeah. sweet spot. And, like, otherwise I think, you know, he's not a great movie maker. And, uh... No. You but, know, I mean, he, I think both of us are on the home. side of we'd rather see this get a resolution than just yeah. fade he's, into nothing. Yeah. You know? And I, I'd like to see a Justice League too for sure. Um, but what I don't want to see is two Justice League twos. Like, oh, here's Justice League Two Part One. I think but it's no. I think it was gonna be it was Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and then a Justice League trilogy. Is how like those are the five movies that Zack Snyder was trying to make. And then everything happened. And you're just yeah. sort of like, eh. But I mean I, I you know, I still want that to be something that gets brought to fruition. I've had my appetite whetted a bit by something called Pro- Project Justice League, which is basically like fans basically using everything they know to compile the rough story of what that second and third movie would have been. I gotta tell you, I feel like we missed something. Like, I feel like we could have had like a really interesting self-contained universe that, like, the way that this was going to play out was going to be that basically Lex Luthor would have gone about creating the Injustice League, right? And they would have used their resources to track down the Mother Boxes in the second movie, and then basically open that portal that Steppenwolf tried to open in the first Justice League, so Lex Luthor would have, like, brought Darkseid to Earth, and then Darkseid would have destroyed everything, 
And then we'd have the nightmare worlds that they were occupying in, like, some of the visions and stuff in the earlier movies. And they were going to build the cosmic treadmill for the Flash in the Batcave. And during a climactic battle where, like, Superman, like, evil Superman was going to show up at the Batcave and basically stab Batman with the kryptonite spear as Barry was, like, running on the treadmill to go back in time, he was going to blip into, he was going to blip into Batman v Superman, you know, to talk to Bruce because they built the treadmill in, they can only do it the way that it works. They can only, he can only time travel once a year. Because, <laughs> because time and space are connected, right? So if he, like, decided to go back in time uh, some other point, he could basically f- find himself floating in outer space when he gets there because the planet isn't there. You know what I mean? So there's only one moment where he can actually successfully time travel back and be in the same spot. So it's like, they've missed it a couple of years in a row trying to fix this stuff, and this is the moment. Like, we do or die now. So he's on the cosmic treadmill, he's running in the Batcave, and he flashes back in time to give Bruce the warning. And that warning that he gives Bruce basically allows him to save Lois from being killed by Darkseid, which saves Superman from becoming evil Superman. And then you would have gotten the battle with everybody, like, fighting off Darkseid, you know, in the third movie and everything. And, like, I don't know. It just sounds, like, really, really interesting to me. Sounds like there's a lot of, like, thought put into how the mechanics of all of this were going to play out. And I like some of the aspects of, you know, like, basically... Batman dying in this post-apocalyptic world and then having to sacrifice himself and in sacrificing himself preventing that post-apocalyptic world from coming to pass. Like, I liked some of the components of all of this stuff and it just would have been kind of cool to watch. It just would have been cool to watch it play out uninterrupted. Instead of in these, like, weird drips and drabs where, like, we had to, like, make a bunch of noise about getting the Snyder Cut in any form, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's yeah. weird. Take those, take that, take those two hour, those two movies and turn it into one four hour movie. Yeah. Like another Snyder Cut. Yeah. I mean, it would be... Because you could still do that nightmare stuff for like the first yeah. hour and a half. It would be know? super cool. And I mean, it would be also, I mean, one of the things that they got held back with, with the four hour Snyder Cut, was originally they were going to make it like a six part miniseries, but it actually would have changed contractually what each of these people would have been paid. So they would have had to like retro pay everybody for miniseries, which would have been way more expensive so they were kind of stuck in that format but like if you wanted to be even if you didn't do four hour movie even if you did six part miniseries that was basically like this is it the rest of the Snyderverse I would have been interested in seeing that too you know 
I just feel like it's it's hard to, you know, when you hear, like, Zachary Levi, like, trying to, like, say, like, you know, you shouldn't be upset. Like, James Cameron, like, he's thinking about the story and he's thinking about, or no, James Gunn. <laughs> I don't like James's. Um, James Gunn's thinking about the story and he's, like, he's thinking about the fans and everything. And it's, like, I, I guess he might be. But it just seems like there's a sizable amount of the fans that also sort of are, like, disappointed and, and you know, maybe there could have been some type of avenue to try to, like, have your cake and eat it too. You know what I mean? Even if you said, like, we want to do something on HBO Max as a send-off for everything that the Snyderverse was and then move forward with a new universe, like, you could have done some type of compromise just to kind of I mean, not <clears throat> screw over a sizable amount of your fucking fans. Like, it just oh. seems crazy to me. Yeah, I'm really surprised that, like, he's just taking the Flash and instead of turning it into, like, a graceful adios, just turning it into, like, a... Mm, actually, yeah. I have no, I have no idea. I can't even imagine what he's about to do with that movie. I honestly, I, I really don't think they're doing anything with it. I mean, they cut Henry Cavill out of that. I think they cut Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot out of Shazam. Gal Gadot just signed on for another Fast and the Furious movie, and I postulated that it seems like her schedule opened up. So I don't yeah. think that she's Wonder Woman anymore. Like, I. There's there's been so many missteps, and it's been so hard to be a DC fan for the last decade. I think, like, probably... I was excited... I liked Man of Steel quite a bit. Batman v Superman, the theatrical cut, was the first sign of problems. Where it was like, this is a confusing dark mess. You know? Uh... And then there were things like, but if you watch the ultimate cut, it gets better. And it turned into something where, like, you could only have a fulfilling experience as a DC fan if you were getting, like, supplementary materials. Like, you couldn't get the theatrical release of Batman v Superman to make a lick of sense, you know? And you couldn't get the theatrical release of Justice League to be, you know, anything worthwhile. And you couldn't get Suicide Squad to be anywhere near decent you know and you know and there's a contingent of people that want to release the air cut because david ayer tried to be a good soldier and say no this is my cut this is my cut and he tried to stand by his company but he ultimately feels like yeah no they screwed me i had another movie in mind and they didn't let me do it and there's a lot of stuff that would have been different if they had so there's a sizable amount of people that want, like, release the air cut. You know what I mean? It's like it turned into something where, like, being a DC fan, you had to fight tooth and nail for anything of quality for a fucking decade. And that was coming off of the Dark Knight trilogy. Like, there was a certain, so money. there's a certain standard that was reached and then a certain trust that was breached. You know what I mean? And it, it had happened quick. And it's difficult to... It's difficult at this point to be excited about anything that's happening. You know? Like, I've fallen kind of out of the fandom. I feel like, 
you, me, Josh Simmons, know what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we know how to do it. And it's like, you just want people to get the fuck out of the way and sit down and stop making a bunch of noise because it's it's not helping, you know? <sighs> or even, you know, just, like, do whatever they want and then just, like, make the thing that fucking crushes everything else, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know what to, uh... I, I don't know how to feel about any of it anymore. I just it's, it's too big. All this stuff is like too big and it's corporate run and it's all by fucking committee and it's all fucking you know it's all big business. Like there's yeah. there's illusions of personality and sincerity mm-hmm. and you know research or uh, yeah but yeah I think it's all and across the board Marvel DC image fucking anybody that really kind of like lands kind of big yeah I don't know it becomes a just a commercial a commercial objective you know it's like I, I mean, know. I can't give a shit about any of this stuff anymore. No, it's it's gone. They've fucking they killed me. And like, you I want to I want to be able to like turn off and have fun as like a mm-hmm. comic fan or something, and be like, oh, cool! It's the first time we're seeing this dude on screen, or the first time we're seeing you know this thing happen or something. But like, Beepo the Super Monkey. <sighs> what? It's the, fir- <laughs> it's the first time we got to see Beepo the Super Monkey. In what? In a Superman movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah. Beppo. It's just like, Beppo. Sorry. Beppo I, the Super Monkey. I just, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to care since. Yeah, probably the Nolan stuff. Even, like, by the end of that, it's kind of like, alright. Yeah. This stuff is pretty, pretty clean. And, uh, I fucking hate Tom Hardy. I thought I was really gonna like him, and I don't really like Tom Hardy in this, you know. But you shut your filthy mouth. Um, uh, yeah, the travesty of not having a Spanish person under that mask. No, that's true. Fucking, and then his accent. Like if it was just like a normal dude, maybe it would have landed better. And he's just like wheezing while he's like talking to Batman or something like that. Just like anything except for the whatever he did. Of know? course. Yeah. Your spirit or your body. Yeah. Like I mean, if, if that was like a result of him like being choked up, choked up or something through the mask, he's like your spirit. You know, and he's like coughing or something, like pushing. Yeah. These words out, that'd be different, but yeah. I don't well, know. I mean, I think that's that, a totally different fucking talk. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I think either, uh, here's the thing, is I do like Bane's voice, but it might be the result of overthinking Bane's voice. Because the thought process for Tom Hardy comes from almost the costume design. It's like, if you look at Bane's face, his, like, mouth is covered, but his eyes and the top of his head are open. So, it's like the opposite of Batman. Like, they needed to be very easy to distinguish in darkness, so Batman has an open mouth, 
and the rest of his head is covered, and Bane's is almost the inverse. His mask is the inverse of that. So it's like, Tom Hardy's like, what do I do for this voice? And he looked at Christian Bale's voice, he's like, I'm gonna go the other way. Like, the complete opposite way. So he did this, like, high-pitched, kind of, like, weird, airy voice. And I don't hate it. Uh, I can understand why people don't like it. But I do like the thought process behind it. I do like the thought process of being like, just do the opposite, you know? I think that that's kind of fun. I wish Chris Nolan heard that and was just like, you know what? We're not going to have Bane say anything in this movie. <laughs> I still remember the... It was in front of one of the Mission Impossible movies. They had the prologue, uh, which is the the whole the airplane sequence. Scene. Yeah, and they had like a sizzle reel at the end of it that showed like a couple of action things. But I remember going to see it. And I remember the stunned confusion that swept over the crowd... Because in that original, like, the, they'll swear up and fucking down that they didn't change anything. But I'm fucking telling you that there was a, there was ADR done for Tom Hardy. Because they recorded his voice on set. Well, his voice on set, he has, like, he's doing a weird accent. He's doing a weird thing with the pitch of his voice. And he's underneath his fucking mask. And the audio that they picked up on set, you could not fucking understand... A goddamn thing he said. So for six minutes, <laughs> for six entire minutes, they're presenting this like pretty well executed action sequence. It's pretty interesting, but every like everybody in the movie is reacting as if they understand what he's saying. So he's like, you know, uh, you know, little fingers like, oh, uh, you know, if I pull that off, will you will you really die? And then Tom Hardy says, <laughs> and then little finger goes. Littlefinger goes, you're a big guy, and then Tom Hardy goes, <laughs> and everyone in the theater, I remember taking my eyes off the screen, and I looked down the row, and there was just a bunch of mouths, like, agape, and, like, people's heads turned to the side, like, totally confused, and it was See? just the weirdest sequence. I'm also into that. And, like, you put subtitles down to, like, help people out. (laughs) But, like, like, he's in a fucking mask like that. Like, go whole hog and just have him him be, like, static clicks. And somehow people in universe understand him. (laughs) But, like, we Bring in an interpreter. Yeah. Bringing in somebody to be like, I think he said something about cats. It just sounds like a fucking, like, two-way radio getting, like, altered between (laughs) channels. It was still one of the like one of my favorite movie going experiences though because it was like this is what it feels like to have a stroke like one hundred percent this is the experience where it's like I I it seems like everyone else is understanding what's going on at least in context of the movie and then realizing the camaraderie in the theater where like nobody understood anything that he was saying nobody got a word of it but everybody was still like that's a pretty cool scene. You know, see, I would have been more into that too. Like if he just couldn't understand him, but at yeah, all, I don't know. It, it landed funny. Um, how did we get there? Um, oh, like the end of my giving a shit about superhero movies. Yeah, yeah, The Dark Knight Rises and and it being clean and sort of just being like you know they just keep shooting Chicago and New York over and over and telling us that it's Gotham City and we know. Yeah. Well, Damn was, right well that that's not Gotham City. It was like the, the, <clears throat> the moment where I was like old enough and I guess just kind of like conscious enough of like the stuff I was like viewing to be like, oh, like, wait a minute. 
you know, looking at the first one, looking at the second one, mm-hmm. looking at the old Batman movies and being like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. And seeing, like, Marvel stuff start to, like, percolate. And it's just like, wait. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, it's just saturation from there. And uh, That's the thing. Like, you know, with with Marvel movies, you have these, like, real-world locations because they set their characters within the real world. It is such a missed opportunity not to capitalize on that extra layer that DC gives you, which is all of these places have very unique personalities. Think Gotham and Metropolis, chief among them, you know, where you... There's an expectation of what to imagine when you think Gotham. It's industrial, and it's pipes, and it's layers and it's buildings that are so tall that they blot out the sun and it's Rust, you know what i mean soggy. like like batman begins stands head and shoulders above the other two movies just because of the narrows it's like that's actually pretty good you know yeah. the rest of the city looks kind of ordinary but because of the narrows it was acceptable for me you know but i mean like even <clears throat> you know if i had a criticism about man of steel they show us metropolis and it's another fucking city that just looks like Chicago, and you go, Metropolis is like the city of tomorrow. Like, it should be fucking golden spires and, like, way, like, super finessed and futuristic, you know, like, almost like Fritz Lang's Metropolis is how this should look, you know? And, like, I mean, I know that that was something that Nolan said about The Dark Knight Rises that he wanted the city to be sort of like Fritz Lang's Metropolis. And I'm like, what the fuck? Where are you getting this from? Where are you getting this from? Like, who told you that that's a good idea? Because that's not Gotham at all. You know? Nobody's not <clears throat> telling him it's a good idea. <laughs> You're like, nobody's telling him it's a bad idea, you know? They don't want to, yeah, just don't get in his way. You know? That's our cash cow. <sighs> Oppenheimer yeah. looks great. I don't know if you caught the trailer for that, but I did. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Pretty excited. Curious about it. I mean, yeah, this stuff always like I don't know lands weird for me because it's like, well, I mean, it's a fun like conspiracy thing, you know, like the Manhattan Projects and <laughs> Tesla and I don't know. Like I want to see. Oh, like who was actually involved, <laughs> and like what they did, and yeah. yeah. Uh, but man, it's too bad that um, David Bowie died because he could have had him reprise Tesla from The Prestige. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it would have been like, whoa, that would have been interesting. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we I'll still he... see it. You know, it'll be loud. <laughs> I mean. You're the guy that will go out to the theater to see goddamn Avatar, The Way of Airbenders. Yeah, that's true. It excuses a lot of things. You know? Except your absence from church. (sighs) That crucified baby isn't going to worship itself. I only have one JC in my life. And that's James Cameron. Fuck me. And on that note, <laughs> all right. God damn it, <laughs> Alves! What 
the fuck are we talking about? We're talking about Dream of the Bat. Dream of the Bat. I'm currently opening the so best. that I can peruse it. The best Batman book ever. It's pretty damn good. Gonna be honest. And oh, this is your first time reading it, right? Uh, this is my first time reading it. Yes, reading Everything. all of it. Everything. Yeah, yep. I too, I too have my copy uh, nearby. Cool. Yes, this uh, dream of the bat. How how best to describe it? To borrow a line from uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred Pennyworth. <clears throat> um, it is. A, I want to say unlicensed because that's collectible lingo. It is an unauthorized bootleg Batman collection, Dream of the Bat, yes. that puts together four separate stories by Josh Simmons and Patrick Keck is involved too. He did art on two of the stories. Um... This collection contains Mark of the Bat, Twilight of the Bat, Birth of the Bat, and Death of the Bat, as well as a pretty expansive Bat Gallery. Um, yeah. And, hmm. How should we go about this, Alice? How do you want to do this? You want to go story by story? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the easiest, easiest <clears throat> way, because, like, you know, broad strokes. Like, this is my first time actually reading it. Mm-hmm. As like a whole, as like an item. Like I read it this afternoon just to like reacquaint myself, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a really nice kind of time jump, or like not time jump. Uh, it's like a I don't know. It's it, it progresses well to the like end. To the bitter end, you know. Uh, yeah, kind of starting at a. I think, and I think, an end to, you know, the character as we know him or something. Uh, yeah, because like descending into this book feels like you know you have the character, you know, mm-hmm. you have Batman, but like. As soon as you get you get him in this book, it's the character you know, but descending to you know depths that will inevitably destroy himself yeah. by the end of this collection. You know, yeah, this is very much you know if like you think about Batman and there's always that thing about like you know do you think he's crazy? You know, or whatever. And this book sort of, you know, whether they think that he is crazy or not, uh, I don't know. But they certainly lean into those questions in the course of the stories that they want to tell. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, it's quite a journey. And a weird, like... I think when you read the first one, you don't anticipate exactly where it's going to go. And by the time you get there, I'm left with a similar feeling that I have with, like, 
<clears throat> you know, with some of your bootlegs or something, where it's like they've gone a far to, you know, poke fun and pick apart these characters, but I think where it ends is with this place, in a place of real love, you know, to me yeah. anyways, that's how yeah. I read the last issue of this. Um, 100%. I mean, this dude completely grew up loving Batman. Yes. Reading, like, reading Batman, having Batman costumes, like, made by his mom for him for, like, Halloween. Yeah. Um, I imagine he's a kindred spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Starting (laughs) right off the bat. (laughs) Um, I just want to say, I really love this dude's Gotham City. It is like a hodgepodge of a bunch of different architectural styles. There are wires all over the goddamn place. There are, like castle fucking towers there's regular skyscrapers there's i mean it is absolutely gonzo there's stuff that like reminds me of the kremlin in russia these like domed buildings with like designs on the domes that remind me of russia there's like snacks of uh caligari the cabinet of dr caligari yeah like really odd crazy fucking angles to all these buildings (laughs) And it is just really, it's amazing to look at. Like, it's hard to fully encapsulate sort of everything that's going on in this, but it's fantastic. And uh, immediately caught my attention. Immediately made me feel right at home. And then, like, as we pull in and we see, like, there's a figure on a rooftop that's, you know, wrapped up in a cape. (laughs) Um, You start to see some more details of, like, the windows are all broken, and you're seeing, like, you know, even on the rooftops, like, plenty of trash strewn about, you know, and it just, I don't know. The door's boarded up. The door's boarded up, and, like, it immediately, you know, I have an expectation when I think about Gotham City. We were just talking about this in the off-topic. We are talking about Nolan's Gotham. And how plain it looks. And this is a Gotham that, like, certainly doesn't look plain. Certainly doesn't read like, you know, the most obvious version of Gotham City. But immediately identifies itself as such. You know? Even though it doesn't look like a Gotham City I've seen before, I know that this is Gotham City. You know? Yeah. Which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he does such a good job of, like, walking the line of, like, iconography and just totally kind of, like, skewering, like, doing these, like, scathing sort of, like, uh, I don't know, dissections of, like, all of these characters while also just, like, you know, drawing the best Batman book that he possibly can. Like, yeah. I, I see this, and, yeah, this this book is 100% responsible for, like, mustache, you know, and, like, yeah. every every subsequent superhero bootleg I've ever made. Like, this first chapter, like, I read online back in, like, 2010, 2011, maybe, or no, 
No, it was probably like 13. It's like we didn't have to drive him to Providence or something. And uh, I was just like, holy shit, this dude just did it. And he does it better than most. And it's like funny and brutal and mm-hmm. dark. But it's also like really smart, you know, and like technically savvy. Yeah. Just just that first, the, the first panel of just like the clutter of like yeah. the city top to bottom. Like there's no horizon line. You know, there's no... no sky it's just nothing and uh yeah it's just awesome and like I don't know the dude has spent a lot of time I think thinking about this stuff yeah he's just he's just like whereas we're kind of like not trying to fix it from the inside I guess kind of fix it from the inside you know we're doing like a not, dude, we're doing like a a typical in big air quotes like bad book theoretically yeah. that'll do better stuff with you know the with with the iconography there and like this guy is like doing all of the indulgences that like I feel like I should kind of like cut off. Like, all the masturbation and shit and all the, like, mutilation is, like, yeah stuff that I want to do, but, like, I never, I don't know. I never get, like, as personal as, like, a lot of this stuff gets, you know? Uh, oh, I don't know. I feel like you, I don't know. I'm not, I don't see it that way, really. I yeah. think that you're, I think you're doing... Like, I mean, I guess I can understand what you mean by not personal, but I think, like, it's weirder in some ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like your, your thing is, like, Bane being naked and beating the fuck out of Batman, and it just not being a topic of conversation at all. Just you're presenting it, and just, like, it doesn't actually matter in context of the story. Batman never mentions it. <laughs> Bane never mentions it. It's just, like, a detail. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I think, like, one of the things that we are doing with our stuff, because I was thinking about that when you were saying, is, like, I feel like what we're doing is we're trying to without really commenting on the stuff that's already existed, we're trying to advance the stuff. You know what I mean? It's like pushing it forward without really commenting on what wasn't working or what people were missing. It's just to do it straightforward as a narrative. Yeah. This is much more of like a commentary yeah, in some ways like on Batman. You know? All cheek. Yeah. <clears throat> which is great and it's, it's super interesting to see it you know presented in this way and presented so well crafted you know yeah and these are yeah this is a collection of zines um for anybody you know just coming coming into this um that have been released sporadically over the last fucking 15 years plus. Hmm. 
17 years? I think the first one came out in like 2007. An obvious major influence on The Dark Knight. Yeah, 2007. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it's like these were these random gifts that would show up every couple of years and each be like a surprise, you know. Yeah. I read, read the first one, didn't think there would ever be another one. Started following Pat Keck on like Instagram and he like shared an image of the, you know, cover to his second chapter. And I was like, holy shit, Josh Simmons uh-huh. is doing another one and he's getting this dude to draw it. Awesome. Pick that up. Didn't think there would be any more. A couple years later, fucking the third one comes out and I was like, oh my God, the way that thing ends. I was like, there's definitely not going to be another one this time. <laughs> And then this thing shows up with a new chapter, and I was just like, oh. No way. <laughs> this fucking guy is, like, doing it. He's yeah. doing exactly what I want to do. Like, yeah. be given the, like, space and support to do this stuff, and then be given the, like, respect to, like, have it collected into, like, a nice little hardcover with, like, a fucking awesome color pinup gallery, fucking yeah. great ed papers, like, an awesome added uh, chapter, like... Yeah, it's uh, all out. It's a real <coughs> beautiful indulgence, and, like, a real kind of, like, honor that Batman gets this guy, you know? And, like, also... Yeah. A no-brainer that that fucking character can occupy this space, you know, and should. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we've talked a lot about, like, you know, the craft and everything involved in this. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the story. So, we have um, Mark of the Bat opens with our, like, beautiful shot of Gotham City, um, slowly panning in on a figure on the rooftop of one of these skyscrapers wrapped in a cape. We are not surprised to learn that this is Batman. Uh, he's up on the roof, curled up like in the fetal position, surrounded by trash, possibly some liquor bottles. Um, it's daytime. <clears throat> it's daytime. He looks up to the sun. He appears to be sweating through his cowl, which is kind of a fun detail. Um, he gets up onto his knees and he crawls to a water bucket and, you know, takes some water up into his hand to drink. He starts coughing, uh, winds up laying back down, and the day goes on. We transition to nighttime. We watch Batman climb up a building for what seems like a an insane amount of pages <laughs> so it's yeah. like just to get batman up this building is actually an incredible amount of panels um oh, yeah. but they're all really great <laughs> like right yeah it, i mean it 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 adds you know atmosphere it adds like a level of like cartooniness but also like uh this weird level of like horror you know where he's yeah. just like this bug on this giant fucking building, just like climbing up, and it, yeah, there's like this oppressive nature to the way this guy draws this book, and yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I I got a kick out of as a Batman fan. Uh, one of the things that I noticed immediately here 
is if you look at what he's using to climb up the building, it seems very, very, very fucking similar to what the League of Shadows was using in Batman Begins. It seems yeah. very, very similar to that exact same thing. Yeah. And I was kind of like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Oh, um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this Batman's really fucking cool. Like, he's very simple in design, classic Batman stuff, but, like, the way that the elements play with each other and the way that he kind of designs the poses and everything, I kept kind of thinking about, um, I love Dirk Backdurf and uh, my friend Dahmer, and it kept yeah. making me think of, like, this is the Batman that would kick down Jeffrey Dahmer's door in Dirk Backdurf's, <laughs> you know, version of this, you know. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. I'm so, sure Josh Simmons is a fan of yeah. Um if if not peers. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of these like kind of odd sort of robotic motions. I mean, my favorite one is on <clears throat> it's labeled page 12 here, but it's the third panel where he's let go of the line and he's going towards the building and he's like reaching down like like his arms are crossing his body to reach in to grab those those like hook things the week of yeah. shadow hook things and like it's just this super odd sort of pose where it vaguely looks like he's sitting almost with like his arms crossed yeah. but like you understand that he's actually like flying through the air at that point and it's just weird it's a super strange image but yeah it reminds me a lot of back turf you know yeah well like it it slows it slows the sequence down like he I'm trying to incorporate like a lot of a lot more time like this in like the comics that I'm making and like yeah. the time that it takes you know Batman to just climb up this building you know or like get to another like from one building to another um, and then climb up that one I it's would never draw awesome. it this way. I would never draw it that way, though. Like, exactly. the, no. that stiffness, I this would never whole, think... This whole sequence, like, this whole, like, seven-page sequence it takes him to get up the building, I feel like I would probably do it in, like, two. Yeah. You know? And it would all be, like, diagonal fucking panels and, like, crazy poses and shit, but, like... I didn't notice, too, that... As he's reaching across his body to pick up those hooks for his hand, you can actually see spikes shooting out of the soles of his boots. Yeah. Not unlike the uh, the the uh, ice skates that come out of George <laughs> yeah. Clooney's boots in Batman yeah. and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he 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 watched it. You know? <laughs> Uh, I wish that George Clooney would come back to do, like, the film version of this. <laughs> How fucking awesome would that be? <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> He'd be the absolute perfect guy to do it, you know? A hundred percent. Like, yeah. oh, my God, a hundred percent. I wonder if there's any interest. Is he doing anything lately? George Clooney? <laughs> I don't know. He's probably just waiting for the next Oceans movie. <laughs> we all are um but you know catwoman shows up and like after batman finally makes it to the roof and is just like sitting there 
ruminating on how he's like been a bat for a long time or something. Um, Catwoman's like, you know, I've been like following you for a little bit and you like seem deranged. He like hasn't been home in a few weeks. And I don't know. The way Josh Simmons writes both of these characters is really great. And like the the level of like human that he applies to like Selena or like Catwoman, Cat Person, Cat Lady. Uh, yeah. As compared to like the way he writes uh, Batman is just like really great. And uh, oh god, it's it's so dumb, and it's like funny, but also like serious and like troubling. Like he manages to write these characters that are just like, oh my god! If you ever hear anybody talk like that, they need help. You there know? are there are red flag laws. Yeah, that you you call when you go. <laughs> just check to see what they bought at Walmart. That's all I'm saying. Something's wrong. And um, he manages to like have all of this comedy in all of this like uh, in all of this conversation that just is also really brutal and you know oppressive. Uh, yeah i don't know i i think Catwoman is a hallucination <laughs> in hindsight as i as i read this in this book in huh like a whole as a whole um and you know i don't know i i think it's it, it manages to walk a really fun kind of like line of like feeling like a dream but also like uh you know like it could be real like it's like almost the end you know there's just like an air of fucking doom about this whole book yeah and uh you know they never really touch and you know even in the later issues he like punches up puffin but like he eventually just turns into a cloud or whatever, but like, you know, it just, it feels like a fun, like a fun, weird, you know, waking dream that like Batman's having as he's like dying or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, I hadn't really thought about the idea that cat lady isn't there, but it does sort of make sense. It's like he's sort of reasoning out. He's trying to justify what he's about to do. You know, <clears throat> I like the moment where he says it's not a final solution or anything because final solution has connotations, which, you know, are like very, very scary, you know? So he's like, it's not a final solution or anything, but this is at least, this is a start. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, this is just beginning. You know, like, I'm kicking the war into, like, you know, the next gear. Um, I also like just this little detail. I, I like this detail of the plane going by that's, like, lower than them. That's how tall the building is. You know, like, I thought yeah. that was kind of fun. Yeah, um, the, the plane also <laughs> implying that it's, like, not quite the apocalypse yet. No, yeah. You know? Like it, it's, this feels like it's pretty much 
you know, Gotham City in, like, its twilight years, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh... The conversation with Cat Lady is definitely an interesting... It's the first time we really get some, like, real dialogue, and you... You know, it sounds like Batman, you know? He's got, yeah. like, the right voice for it. Yeah. Catwoman's played a little bit like a... Like an Aubrey Plaza, kind of. That's, like, how I read her lines, sort of, you know? Yeah. A little bit mo- monotone. I like her thing like you know I used to have a bit of a crush on you used on you you used to be powerful sexy but nowadays and she just kind of sort of looks at him sadly and she's like not so much and leaves (laughs) yeah her her body language in, in that four panel sequence is really great too yeah just the like I don't know, every, everything about this book, and, like, the subtlety of these two characters, like, interacting, and, you know, her kind of, like, just reaching one more time, like, you know, reaching out just to see if, you know, he's, like, there at all, and he's just like, this isn't a final solution or anything, you know, let's start tomorrow. When she- when she uh, when she senses the same thing I do, because it's like, it's not a final solution or anything, but this is at least... And then when he's like, this is a start, she's like folded her arms across her torso, which is like a sign of like guarding yourself from something, where you're just like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was very interesting, and you don't know where it's going to be, uh, where it's gonna go, rather. Um, but then you see very quickly what it, where, you know, what he's talking about is. And, uh, just want to shout out to the shot of him jumping off the building I really love. Like, the two sequence, he jumps out with the cape, you know, extended behind him. That whole page... I mean, like, the middle panel at the top, too, and, like, the, the moon, like, peeks through, and he, like, looks at it. Yeah, it just like passes on behind the clouds. I mean, the whole page, like again, it's just like the sense of time and like uh, yeah, just atmosphere. You know, it yeah. it doesn't take much, but it really uh, it really works. You know, I like the way that he like stops to look up and acknowledge it. You know, and then when it disappears behind the cloud, he turns away again. It's like. He was, well, I mean, I guess if you want to get, like, philosophical about this, it's like when he sees the sun during the day, it almost seems, like, repulsive to him, which makes sense. But the moon has a connotation with lunacy, you know, a connotation with madness, and it seems like he's, you know, he looks up at it, you know, and he has, like, this connection with it. And then as it gets obscured again, he loses interest. But it's, like... <clears throat> like, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of, like, Arkham Asylum, a serious house on serious Earth, where it's sort of also sort of dealing with, like, eh, is Batman okay? And it, the moon symbol with Batman, you know, in this book has a certain level of... 
like a prophetic nature, I guess, you know, in terms of what we're about to see. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I think I especially like this page because, you know, it's kind of the moment between the horror and after Catwoman leaves. And it's like, you know, just like a, a quiet moment. And you're like, oh, wow, like this is kind of, this is kind of nice. Like what's, uh, what's, what's next, you know? Yeah. And he fucking assaults some sleeping uh, houseless person that has a spoon and a needle next to him. Yeah. He calls him a fucking slug in yeah. all caps. <laughs> Which is great. But the, the first the, the first uh, speech balloon that the, the dude says as he's waking up and getting fucking kneed in the balls... It's just oh, like oh. so, ooh, yeah, like it's just so, so funny. And, it's a very uh, Justin Roiland exclamation. <laughs> Reminds me of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, fucking slug. I don't know. It's a really funny, really funny sequence, and like really brutal. And like you know, he manages to to do a lot with just. You know, a little. I I just really like the contrast. I like the contrast in the first two panels of, like, sleeping, calm, peaceful (laughs) drug addict. And then Batman dropping down from the sky. And, you know, there's no noise that he's making, but there's foam coming out of his mouth. There's, like, this drool. He looks... Completely crazed. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it just is immediate, like, it's immediate full on game time, punctuated with, you know, fucking slug where he's still drooling. (laughs) You know what I mean? This guy has no idea what the fuck's happening to him. There's also an implication the first punch that he lands, and then the second punch that he lands, the guy has an X over his eyes, which is the universal cartoon speak for dead. So, yeah. <laughs> it almost is like, did Batman kill this fucking guy? Like, right there? <clears throat> yeah, right. I'm not I sure. Think it's, I think it's the KO implication, because he definitely wakes up after uh, Batman takes his fun new uh, tool out. Yes. And shows it to our friend. <clears throat> it all goes by and, in such uh, a blur. <laughs> he shows it to him... <laughs> And he doesn't say anything. It's weird. It's just this shot where it almost looks like he's explaining it, but he's like holding it out to the to his side. And then they show him get it into position. Yeah, right. And then you turn the page as he starts to kachunk down with it. And you don't get to see it for very for a little while. They show Batman like he does it. And he, like, looks like Batman, and then he, like, smiles a little, and then he picks up this circular piece of the man's, like, mouth that he pulled, like, that he's just cut off, and he's, like, laughing. (laughs) The guy wakes up, guy starts screaming in terror, realizing that he's been mutilated, and then Batman... But I don't know, like, does Batman seem to have a moment of remorse for a second? 
and I think he's just like taunting him. He's just taunting him. He's going, ooh, ah, ah, ooh. <laughs> yes. Oh. Do you think in those first panels after the guy wakes up and starts screaming, though, do you think Batman is taunting him there, too? Yeah, I think he's going, oh, oh. <laughs> I like when he's like he has the guy's like now cut off lips up in front of him and he's like pretending to yell like him and there's this one panel where he's he stops and he's laughing and turning to his right like to like an imaginary audience or something yeah. <laughs> like he's like guys look at what I'm doing what a gas you know <clears throat> It's insane. Yeah, it's it's a really strong uh, strong finish. <laughs> I really like his Batman. Like Me like too. if you look at that in that what is it? 4 8 that 12 panel thing on the bottom of page 22. Yeah. If you look at that second panel in that sequence, that's a great Batman. Yeah. That's no. that's great. No, his Batman <clears throat> is excellent. I yeah. mean you know, there's, there's a lot of, like, thought and care and, like, you know, this is this is the best way to draw, like, the most versatile Batman. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I think he's, this dude has spent a, a lifetime drawing Batman and he's probably just, like, fine, you know. Yeah. He's made so many other great horror comics, like, yeah. really deeply, viscerally scary <laughs> comics and you know has just always had this this scratch you know this bug to itch and uh and he finally fucking did and like you know between stapling this man's mouth off and the way he like leaves you on this book it was just like so deeply unsettling but yeah yeah, Batman retreats to the shadows of a rooftop, and he begins to, uh, he's looking at these divots in a wall, and then he takes his glove off, and he starts picking at one of the divots with his fingernail. You turn the page, and he's seeing, basically, you know, the results of his new war on crime, where all the criminals don't have lips and all the good people like the families know that like oh watch out like that's a bad guy um you see firemen turning fire hoses on the people without lips you also see a couple uh with one of these criminals on a leash like a dog and this is all going through batman's mind and he's smiling Obviously very pleased with himself, but he can't stop thinking about the divot in the wall that he was picking at. And he continues at it. And the very last panel is uh, his fucking fingernail coming off of the nail bed from picking at the thing. And it is just grotesque and crazy. (laughs) Like, super fucking strange. And... I think that we've talked about this before. It's come up a million times, because I love this stuff so much. I think we've talked about this recently, though, but, like, what does that represent to you? Oh, it's just him persisting to the point of mutilation. Yeah. You know, on himself. 
it's like Batman's stubbornness or something. You know? Well, yeah, like, I mean, you, you see it happen in, like, the third chapter, you know? It's yeah. like, finally, you can you get to see me. Yeah. And it's... There's, there's a panel that I'm going to get tattooed on me, and it's him fucking taking the toenail clippers to his teeth, Oof. saying, like, even before the world ended, this life was pain or something like that. But, like... Yeah. Just th- that whole sequence just made me want to fucking barf. It was crazy. <laughs> but we'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do think it's that. I also think that it's the, like, to me, I wonder what the divots started with, you know? And my thought is that it probably started with a smudge. Something that was not right there. Yeah. That he was like, I'm going to vote to devote my time to doing this even at great personal cost you know so you look around the roof and you see all of these like divots that have been dug into the wall and the implication is they're all dug into the wall by him by his fingernails and it seems to be like a metaphor for like the war on crime you know what i mean and his inability to accept society with all of its warts you know like he doesn't want to do that he wants to cleanse it of all of those problems, and he wants to get rid of it, but, like, in doing what he's doing, he's just kind of... If he keeps going like this, he will take down the wall. You know? The whole thing. He won't just get rid of a smudge, he'll get rid of all of it. Which is kind of interesting in context to where this story progresses, because we end up in, like, the post-apocalypse. It seems almost like, a Like, maybe there's some tie there, you know in terms of the apocalypse. Like, he kind of says that the Joker caused the apocalypse, but it's like, <clears throat> could have been him too, you know? Yeah, right? Shit. <clears throat> Alright, so, Twilight of the Bat. Second story. Which, this is the one that, uh, Patrick Keck starts drawing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's very. working. He's working over Josh Simmons' uh, thumbnails, like very it's... loose uh, thumbnails, but they're they're pretty close. Um, but Keck has a really awesome eye for like patterning and ink. Yeah, and his line is just so much fun. Yeah, it's and a... he really really livens this chapter up. Yeah, it's really good. I, you know, we open on Gotham City in the post-apocalypse, all these buildings burnt out. Yeah. And bodies and cars and shit on the road. that it, Like, their wheels are, like, melted. And, uh, <clears throat> we get to see the Batmobile. Which is probably the funniest Batmobile that I've seen. Because <laughs> it, like, blatantly looks like it's a converted cop car. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which I think is a really hilarious you know like <laughs> batman is like fully deputized agent of the state yeah you know yeah. um yeah so batman's driving through the post-apocalypse uh this is not unlike uh the nightmare sequence from any of the Zack snyder films <laughs> um except that it's winter it's very important. Across? The what? Except that it's winter. Oh, yeah. It's in the middle of winter. It's not the desert. Uh, which I like the winter setting. That's great. 
Yeah. And yeah. some kind of nuclear winter, maybe? I don't know. Could very well be. Uh, he comes across, and with I was a, very surprised at this. With a crowbar in his backpack. <laughs> with a crowbar right. in his backpack, it is Willem Dafoe. Uh, <laughs> near as I can tell. <laughs> Just, and he is... Actually, it's it's uh, it's Santa Claus. It's Santa Claus. It's the actual Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, and he is just laughing hysterically at corpses that he sees around him. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As <I> one mean... <laughs> does. <laughs> oh, God. And that's, that's like one of my favorite sequences also. <laughs> just like you get a, like a wide shot of like the Joker just standing on a building like laughing just at stuff and then just what he's laughing at is like a car with bodies falling out of it like yeah you know a couple with like a dog you know that one's fucking that burnt one's the out best. the fucking school bus full of kids he's just like oh it's so good it's all so fucking good and like of course you know batman comes across him and it's just like no way this can't be fucking happening Joker's super excited about it and like yeah I don't know he like Josh Simmons manages to write this Joker like (sighs) perfect you know like he does all the stuff that Frank Miller wish wishes he could do with like all of the darling and stuff but it's just like I don't know (laughs) the fucking smooch on the cheek and it's just like we're the luckiest boys in the world is just yeah, like it's cute. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I, I, I do think that that's probably one of my favorite Joker things that I've seen is just him laughing at <laughs> the dead people. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just great. Because it, like, it just encapsulates him. You know what I mean? And, yeah. like, the, the more tragic the death, <laughs> the more hilarious the response, you know? <laughs> yep. <clears throat> the world um, is over, and, like, he is just by himself like cackling yeah and i mean if if i was to if i was to put on my conspiracy cap i would say that when you see scott snyder doing that uh that batman and joker in the wasteland book that he did a little while back i'd say that's probably uh, because of this I would also say when I watch the Snyder Cut and you see Batman and the Joker working together on the same team, I would say, mm, I wonder if maybe that is because of this. Like, there's a lot of stuff that has been so. turned into... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's been turned into kind of uh, like canon to certain versions of the character now. Yeah. That this feels like to me, you know? Yeah, and I I I hope <clears throat> this 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 creator, I hope Josh Simmons has has that kind of spread, you know. And he's it would like be, in LA or was in LA for a while, so I don't know. It it would be curious to me if it's a coincidence, just because of how many times we've seen Batman and Joker in the post-apocalypse since this, you know? Yeah. I don't feel like it was an idea that had ever been breached before this. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but he, but yeah. he does it really... 
really well, as usual, and, like, Pat Kick just manages to, like, turn all these charred bodies into, like, really great scene partners <laughs> yeah <laughs> for the joker <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i mean it i like the i've always liked the history of the joker and you know death like uh it's a great deleted scene from batman 89 where jack nicholson's joker is up on stage and he's addressing all of these people in a theater and he's saying well i got great news about the third quarter boys Crime is up. That's muggings, assaults. You know, like he's showing like a flow chart and everything, and he's like saying like, "Oh, we, you know, we're doing great and everything." And you know, he he holds for applause, and he says something else, and he holds for applause, and he says something else, he holds for applause, and then you see behind him, he has a this thing in his hands with a button, and every time he finishes saying something, he presses the button for the applause to happen. You realize he's artificially creating the applause, and then you get the reveal of who's in the theater, and it's all the mob underlings that you've seen the entire movie are all dead (laughs) in their seats, and one of them topples out of the seat into the aisle, and the quip in the script was uh, the Joker saying, oh, you see, we got them rolling in the aisles, you know, and that was like the, that was the whole sequence, I was like, I always thought that was really fun. I like that. I like, uh, I think in one of the early, I think maybe the first Joker story, his hideout was in the cemetery amongst the dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like sort of that imagery of, you know, the clown amongst the bodies. So this is fun to kind of like scratch that itch a little bit for me because I, I do enjoy seeing the Joker in this situation and sort of like his condescending. I mean, Tim Burton hit on it several times. They made it into the movie too, after he fries Anton at the table, you know, and he's having like a conversation about like, what do you think we should do with those guys? You know, and he's like, Oh, grease now? we should grease them now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so for me, like, this is just, this is great. I, I yeah. love this shit so much. <laughs> Yeah, there's, like, I don't know, there's as much snark as there is love in all of these books. And it's, like, these dudes, I don't know, they, like, give as much of a shit as they don't give a shit. And it's the perfect fucking balance. Um, Like, the Joker fucking just making fun of Batman as he's just like, there has to be something someone else left. Like, I know you had something to do with this. And he's like, I'm always living in the past. And then it's just like <laughs> asking all these funny questions of all these corpses. Like, uh, did you make your family proud? Were you a great, <laughs> you success? great success? Did you get to be a pretty person? Were you beautiful? He says, stroking the head of this like charred skull. <clears throat> yeah. Were you seething and, de- and desperate and craving like the rest of them? Or did you find love? Oh. So fucking good. Like. I like that he transitions from that to, like, following after Batman and then saying, I love you, Bats. I love you. He's like, he has his hand on his chest. Like, he, he really means it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah this, this Joker is, like, so sincere and it's just like, hey, man. You know, like, it, it's all over, and, like, it, it was all for you, like, all the time. 
Yeah. You, you gotta know. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's the... I mean, it's hitting on some things that I want to talk about. But, I mean, I think that that's, like, 100% the truth, is that the Joker really is the... You know, he is sort of the one that would do anything for Bruce. You know, whether Bruce is understanding of that or appreciative of that, you know, who knows. But the Joker's kind of chosen his man, more or less, you know, and stands by him. (laughs) <laughs> which is yeah. great you know fantastic stuff yeah. I don't know how much poop is in this chapter also <sighs> the Joker loves shit in his pants and uh this he... next sequence after the Joker reminds Batman of his love for him he uh gets handcuffed so he doesn't do anything <laughs> weird to Batman while he's sleeping <laughs> It's a good call. That's <laughs> yeah, fair. It's yeah, it's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> yeah. But uh I still wouldn't sleep around the Joker no matter what. But either way, like Yeah, just as Batman's falling asleep, he like jolts back up for a second and watches the bit the Joker fucking fart until he shits his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Batman rolls over in contempt. But uh yeah. He wakes up to cupcakes the next morning. And, uh... Yes. Oh, God. <clears throat> cupcakes. An adult and a child. There are footprints in the snow. <laughs> says, did you see them? And the Joker says, I was out. Which is an interesting line in context to later <laughs> events. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um... Batman probably, like, the happiest I've ever seen Batman <laughs> calling out, Hello! Hello out there! <laughs> he says, No, mustn't force them out. They may be traumatized. Let them come to us in their own time. And he turns back and he says, Thank you for the gifts! You know? <laughs> and then he says, What do you say? A little cupcake breakfast to the Joker. And Joker says, It warms my heart to see you like this. <clears throat> yep. No, it's fucking great. That whole sequence is hilarious. Um, so awesome. I like the Joker's point, too, when Batman says, like, you were responsible for all this, weren't you? And he says, you are ridiculous, you know that? You really think I could orchestrate something like this? Or that I'd want to? Which, he probably would. But he says, people never needed any help from me. They did this to themselves. And I'm like, that's a that's great. That's really interesting. That's a that's an interesting Joker thought, yeah. which is like, you know, I do this, yeah, for my own amusement, but like, even if I wasn't here, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the results would be the same, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> really like that. He's doing some good, like, philosophical character building here, you know? Yeah. And he and he does a great counterpoint with his like Batman being like the prototypical everything you like hear in all the movies condensed into just like the one liners that he's giving to him. Just like you were always destroying things, anything good and decent. It's just like <laughs> so cheesy and like 
Perfect. The, the Joker's response to that was, I was just fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed playing with my fellow humans. God. Oh, God. So good. Dude, like... Batman's just convinced. I know you had something to do with this. <laughs> and then this Joker show tune that comes out of nowhere is interrupted briefly by the bat... <laughs> By Batman <laughs> biting his fucking finger off. And spitting it at him. And spitting it at him, which is fucking fantastic. <laughs> the Joker really enjoys that whole thing. And then he <laughs> continues on his dancing, even more manic than before. And After he applying <laughs> some uh, blood lipstick. Blood lipstick. And it seems almost like Batman is... He appears to be getting one over... At a certain point. Then the Joker starts doing jazz hands. Then the Joker pulls out his bare ass. And shits all over the fucking place. <laughs> to which Batman seems really, really enraptured by. Uh, and then the Joker is just dancing around with his dick out. And eventually Batman starts laughing. <laughs> and he says, you look... You look like a... Like a monkey. <laughs> a crazy monkey. And the Joker scoops up his shit <laughs> and smears it all over his face. And says, that's right, Bats. I'm a monkey. I'm a crazy monkey. And then they obviously end that scene because there's nowhere else to go. <clears throat> they did it all. <laughs> when you reach the mountaintop, you know... You can only turn around and go back down. You yeah, know? no, I mean, this is it. The the <laughs> way that I read Batman in that scene is straight up Hank Hill. Yeah. It's straight up Hank Hill. Like, <laughs> you look like a, like a monkey. A crazy monkey. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> all that wholesomeness. Yeah, I guess I, this is all Kevin Conroy and fucking Mark Hamill. <laughs> like, forever. <laughs> That's right, Bats. I'm a monkey. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, I mean, probably one of the most ridiculous fucking scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> Up to this point. I would like to see all of like the all of the Jokers get to do the this interpretation, you know. Yeah, right. Like Joaquin Phoenix is like super method, so he's actually smearing his own shit onto his (laughs) face. Like (laughs) one second I gotta chug this X legs. (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, Batman's still very excited about the prospect of new friends. Yes. Um, yeah, they get more treats. How and, lucky the, uh, how lucky we are. They're out there somewhere, and soon they'll be ready to meet up with us, and then we'll have new friends. And Joker says, it's exciting. No, the other thing that Batman sounds like in this book is Thurman Merman from Bad Santa. <laughs> yeah. And we'll be ready to meet up with us, and then we'll have new friends. <laughs> Yeah, then this is a really great talk between Bat and Joke Man, too. Uh, 
just like a funny, you know, joke, man. Like just a, like a tantrum, you know, that Batman throws, and uh, you know, little <laughs> lovers quarrel. <laughs> well, fuck you, joke, man. <laughs> You think I don't want to cut loose once in a while? You think I don't want to act on every little impulse I feel, huh? Some of us have to keep our ducks in a row. Some of us have to have a little discipline. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe just throw in a joke once in a while. God, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <clears throat> yeah. He manages to like write this stuff uh, so well. Like it, it, it like oscillates between like buddy cop fucking romance fucking horror fucking just you know a psychological deep dive it's just ugh. and it's just funny like when he says fuck you you know it's just like a really funny slow down uh ugh, yeah i don't know it just this is a really great book I like when he says, uh, some even accuse me of being a fascist. He's talking about, like, there are all these people who question my methods. It's like, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Like, not not unjustly. Batman's sort of the answer of, like, can you be a good fascist? It's like, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Batman is basically using violence to force people to do... You know, what he feels is morally right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitionarily. Fascist. Anyways, uh, another, uh... Almost done, Dave. Another I-need-to-rest moment. Batman locks the Joker up. The Joker reveals that he does micro-naps ten minutes here and there. Says, I never could sleep for very long. Got too much living to do. Every breath is a gift, Bats, which is another one of my favorite Joker <laughs> lines ever. So funny. <laughs> and, like, the way Batman responds to it, he's like, I suppose that's a healthy attitude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's taking him seriously. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 that was a joke. You get it? Yeah. <clears throat> um... <laughs> God. But anyways, Batman wakes up to find that the Joker has slipped his handcuffs and is placing cupcakes down on a crate and that he has two pairs of shoes uh on sticks and a case of like eight cupcakes that he uh, <laughs> He's been using to like taunt Batman with, and I really love taunt? like the question mark. <clears throat> Maybe. I mean, he might be giving him what he wants too. I don't know. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Such is the complexity of the Joker, but I like uh, Batman getting up. I-, I like the two panels on the uh, at the end of page forty three. Because, like, on one side, there's, like, the stuff of the Joker, and on the other side is the stuff of Batman. But I really like the shot of Batman's, like, face close up, like, looking at him. And then I really like the image of him, like, coming out of the darkness. Yeah. 
from where he was sleeping, and he kind of has, like, these, like, flannels on, which is sort of interesting. It's like, uh, I don't know, every now and then he does these, like, I- iconic kind of, like, bad shots, and, like, I feel like that's one of them, even though it's still, you know, him in flannel or whatever, um, it's, you know, he's shrouded, he's in shadow, he's got the two, like, circles for eyes, you know, he's coming out of the shadows, it, it feels like... Like the Batman iconography, you know. Yeah. Um, him climbing the building in the first chapter, like touches on that too. Like I don't know. I, I like that he <laughs> sprinkles that in here and there. Yeah. Yeah. He starts violently assaulting the Joker. <laughs> yeah. He takes that crowbar out and with a crowbar uh, chases him down, and <laughs> Joker's like, I know how this looks. <laughs> 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 yep. Yeah. I like the Joker thanking him as he's getting pummeled. Yeah, God. <clears throat> um, gets to rip off the mask and we get the uh, first look at Bruce Wayne in either yeah. book. And he looks completely crazed. He uses his blood to paint glasses <laughs> and a mustache on Bruce Wayne, <clears throat> which is awesome. I love that the panel of him like dipping back into his like flesh well. There's blood well on his face. Yeah, it's so good. I like his eyes all fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's already some like pretty significant damage. <clears throat> But even in the wake of that damage, like, he's still making the joke. Like, yeah. he's still, <laughs> Finishing you know. Finishing the mustache. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those eyes. Those are, like, the eyes that I was, like, envisioning for all the headshots in uh, the first punishment. Yeah. Were you genuinely trying? To, were you genuinely trying to do something nice for me? Were you trying to give me hope? And the Joker just shrugs. <laughs> <coughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> he just slaps him in the face a couple of times until he dies. As he's just laughing. <sighs> yeah. Batman That's... says, wait, don't go. I, I don't want to be alone, which is good Batman shit, because yep. that's uh, very much tied into his character. And then he says if we can just get them back inside talking about the Joker's brains that are seeping out of the back of his skull. In the end, on, on him holding Joker's body close. Yeah. It's such... I don't know, they're really great endings also. Like, all these books have great endings, but uh, I really like this one and the next one uh, probably the most. Yeah, so <clears throat> we're on to Birth of the Bat, which probably marks the most super heroic Batman that we're going to see in any of this. This is this is also the most recent one. Like this one came out less than a year before this hardcover came out. Yeah. Like this came out um Maybe like four years after the last one, more, five maybe. I don't know. Um, but 
Yeah, it kind of like dropped. And these are all gifts, you know. Um, but, you know, it landed too much fanfare. And to my surprise, uh, a return to a classic uh, Batman. Uh, in, in air quotes, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean... <clears throat> This one feels the most, like, iconically Batman yeah. of any of them. <clears throat> um, there's a fun, and I don't know if this is meant to be a reveal uh, about, like, the first book or not, but it's like, <clears throat> this is sort of taking place, like, ahead of the apocalypse, right? I don't know. <clears throat> I can't tell. It's hard to it's hard to pinpoint like what's going on in his head at this point because obviously by the end of it we're going to see him transform, you yeah. know. <clears throat> um But I mean like there is a there is an indication of like when he says I, I know my thinking has been clouded in recent months and then it shows like the decaying Wayne Manor. And then we see this, like, transition. So, like, I do think that most of this is taking place in kind of the past. Um, So, I don't know if it's meant to be a reveal, but, like, the first thing we see Batman doing is he's, like, tattooing, like, like jab, poke, tat, yeah, Uh... stick and poking the bat symbol onto his chest. Um, and you realize that, like, because this is a black and white comic, you don't, it doesn't really change the look of Batman. Like, he still looks like Batman, but, like, now you have to keep in mind that he is essentially, like, wearing boots, a Speedo, gloves, and a mask and cape, and everything else is just his bare body. and i don't know if it's meant to be a reveal if you go back and you look i went back and i looked at the first one the cover has a has that on there oh and does the first one have his like nipples i i went back and i looked through the first one and there is no nipples so i was wondering if if i was going to go back and find out that they had actually been planning that the whole time but it does appear like he's actually wearing a suit hmm in that first book. <clears throat> but it's a hilarious concept because it literally doesn't change anything for us <laughs> yeah. except if you think about it. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Which is fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is his coming out party. Yeah, his coming out party, which is very strange. He mm-hmm. calls his faithful... But where Albert, a jolly old judgy goddamn Judgerson, <clears throat> pretty good. Yeah, he really. Uh, I don't know. Does a great job again of just like communicating this like insanity that is coupled with like this desperation but also like putting it in the like cartoon context of like slapstick comedy with like his big stretchy mouth like yelling and stuff but like i don't know there's so much horror here 
you know. I like when Albert's kind of watching him do this, you know, this tattoo with, like, some some disapproval. And, uh, you know, when Batman calls him a judgy goddamn Judgerson, Albert's like, it's a bit unseemly for a billionaire, isn't it? And Batman's response is, you gotta stay young, Albert. You're not getting ageist on me, are you? You old bastard. Which is hilarious, just in and of itself. And then Albert says, I worry it doesn't make much sense, sir. And Batman screams at him, does it make sense I have an old man taking care of me? Scrubbing my toilets? Don't talk to me about sense. You know? (laughs) Which, like, that whole whole block of text is really funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He does such a good job of, like... Yeah, just managing to do these characters justice while also just making fun of them, you know? Yep. Yeah. I, I, I love the don't talk to me about sense because it's just like, it's like a perfect thing for Batman to say. As he's tattooing his symbol in his chest. Yeah. Hey, that's interesting too. He gets out of the shower and he, all right. He, like, takes a shower, and he gets out, and he leaves the bathroom, and then the next scene starts with him eating a cupcake, <clears throat> which is, like, the Joker, like, I don't know. I mean, did the Joker know this somehow? Then you yeah, start right? going, like, wait, if you think Catwoman wasn't there in the first one, then you're like, well, was the Joker there in the second one? Because how would the Joker know this? And the Joker also knew information about Batman's past that he shouldn't have, like, when Batman said, like, I never really got over the death of my parents, and the Joker's like, oh yeah, no shit. But it's like, that is not something that the Joker would normally know. Then you start to be like, well, how many of these people are really there? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it could all just be a dream. Like his last, like, throes of consciousness before this dude dies, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Transcends, I guess. We get treated to a scene of Batman masturbating, which is, you know, (laughs) everything Lieber Mayho wanted to do, but was afraid of the backlash. Yeah, I like, like the... I, I did one thing with uh, with Dixon <laughs> Batman. Lee did his thing, but this dude, this dude is like <laughs> fucking killing it. He's going the all the way, <laughs> ejaculating all over himself. Like God, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, I like the Vicky Volva. <laughs> it's apparently the name of Vicky Vale in this. <laughs> But yeah, that he, uh, he he goes back to work, and he's like, "Oh, talking about puffing, you know." Yes, and I was like, "I hope that that's the penguin." <laughs> yep, he <laughs> seems to be assembling some strange tools, maybe some armor. He's gonna use that's... it for something later. Yeah, something odd going on here. I uh, do like that. At the top of page 55 in that panel, there's a shot 
there's a there's a bat up hanging from the ceiling that is like quite literally the shape of things to come. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's almost the exact like pose yep. is what we're gonna see in the last page. <clears throat> um But not before some action. Not before some action. Caused by the sudden uh <clears throat> Well actually there's a weird sequence here that I have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> When he's talking to uh, Albert, <clears throat> yeah, and he they're in the cave, and he's saying, "Who's out there, Albert?" You know, he can he can hear something. It seems like what he's hearing is the squeaking of a bat, and he like goes into a mad panic about it, and <clears throat> it ends with him crying, grabbing Albert by the shoulders, and him saying, "Who's out there, Albert?" And then it just smash cuts. To him upstairs in the manor, uh, like with his cape between his legs, like we believe they call that flossing. Flossing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, trying to get Albert to laugh, which is odd, dude. Like I don't that whole that thing is weird. Oh yeah, I can't quite put my finger on what is happening there. <clears throat> yeah, but I think it makes it adds <laughs> it adds a little bit of credence to your idea that like maybe this is him dying because it's like it is sort of scattershot, you know. <clears throat> it it all feels like strange and like disorienting enough to, you know, kind of evoke something like a you know, either a dream or like a, a last. A last vision, you know, before you die or something, you know? Yeah. Where you get, like, everybody you've ever known, but kind of as these, like, weird tangential versions of themselves. themselves. Yeah, it's like a little bit almost psychedelic. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Puffin shows up and is trying to crash with Batman in the apocalypse because... He's used to a certain level of uh, luxury, to which Batman yes. just won't have it. And uh, there's no smoking in my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, the dong being a recurring theme in this uh, in this issue, um, his dong pops out while he is. Uh, Jump kicking puffin. Yes. I really uh, like to in the lead up to that when <clears throat> Puffin says I can't be out there with the trash and Bat says, You are trash. You're lower than trash. You make me sick. You do crimes. You're, You're wrong. wrong. <laughs> You're bad. You're bad <laughs> He like screams it at him. <laughs> It's, like, just this, like, really fun look at, like, the super simplistic thought processes of, you know, a vigilante superhero. You do crime. Crime. You're, you're bad. You're bad! <laughs> yeah. God. That's fucking great. But, 
Puffin yeah. makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Good. I think that's the intention. Uh, well, he's a does, weird... Why does he make you uncomfortable? He makes me uncomfortable because he's a weird mix of, like, the Penguin and Arnold Wesker. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and Arnold Wesker always makes me uncomfortable just in general because, like, certain depictions of him feel like, uh... I don't know, like, uh, like he's the next contestant on To Catch a Predator. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, there's just something about, like, the like the khaki pants and the belt and, you know, the, I don't know. There's just something about the way that some people draw Wesker that makes me feel like that dude is, like, a creep. And this puffin has those, his pants are light-colored. So I'm immediately thinking that they're khaki. <clears throat> and it has, like, the black belt. And he has these kind of, like, those loafer shoes. So it's, like, all these elements that... Like, when I think about the Penguin, I think of somebody of, like, a certain degree of class. And this guy looks like he, like, jumped into the men's section at Walmart. And then, like, came out, you know, as this. And you're just sort of like, eh. <laughs> Don't like it. Fair. It's it's he's the not, loafers he's not dressed particularly well. No, it's the loafers and the khaki pants and the black belt and this like a weird sweater that's only buttoned at the top. Like <laughs> there's like certain gangs that do like that with like their shirts. <laughs> they just they just button like the top and they leave the rest open. So I don't know. It's a hodgepodge of a bunch of things that are making me feel like really uneasy about puffing as a person, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> We're about to get to my, uh, my favorite, my favorite ending, I think. Uh, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. They're going to see every <clears throat> inch of me. I'm a bat, Albert. I'm a fucking bat. <laughs> Breaks down into tears. And then he has the outro. I know. My thinking has been clouded in recent months, but today my mind is clear as clean water, which is just a horrible, <laughs> horrible metaphor. Uh, <clears throat> the air tastes fine and crisp, like the first snow of the year. I can see everything from top to bottom, inside and out. Shows I'm walking through the decaying Wayne Manor. Beautifully drawn, <clears throat> like really... Really well drawn. Yep. Yeah. yeah, very cool. Um, makes his way uh, <laughs> to a table. He weighs out all of his supplies that he's going to need for his transformation. <clears throat> and then he begins his transformation. Uh, and it is absolutely fucking horrifying. <laughs> As he begins to slowly and methodically uh, turn himself into a real deal bat. Um, Let's go over some of these uh, transformations now. We see him ripping his teeth out. 
Uh, <laughs> like fucking Three Stooges style, using the fucking door. Yeah, he has the line uh, tied around his teeth, which is connected to the doorknob that he slams the door and he rips his teeth out. And then, you know, your thing that you called out earlier, the nail clippers to that he's using teeth. to sharpen them, which is disturbing. The teeth that he does have left, yep. Uh, he's already sewn the fucking shower curtain to his back. Yes, which is, and, uh, oh god. And stapled fucking, uh, what is that, just plaster or drywall or something to his shoulders I, for fucking armor? Yeah, I'm reading it as like a plaster type. He has these S-hook things that he punches through his calf muscle and he ties the lower end of that S onto his leg. And then he begins bolting. These are the things that he had down in the cave that he was looking at earlier in the book. He begins bolting these shards to the side of his head with screws Bleeding um, all the while with his eyes rolling to the back of his head. As he's yeah, he's tears in his eyes. My favorite bit, for me anyways, is he cuts off the uh, upper portion of his face <laughs> so that he still has the look of like wearing the bat cowl. Like yep. The lower part of his face is just his regular skin, and then the upper part of his face has now been... Um, you know, ritualistically skinned, you know? So you just see, like, his musculature. Um, <clears throat> we get to see him use a pair of gardening shears to chop off uh, his middle ring and, and pinky finger. Um, and then we see him uh, traveling to a tower uh, at the top of Wayne Manor. And getting himself up onto a pole uh, that's crossed a, across a doorway. And he hooks it, you know, hooks the, the shin hooks onto the pole. And then extends his body down and takes his, like, final form, crossing his arms over his chest. And we turn the page uh, to see him hanging upside down. Uh, and naked, uh, face ripped off, uh, you know, all those other points that he had down in the cave, all these other shards appear to have been jabbed into his arm to create the gauntlet thing. <laughs> um, it's punctuated by one word, just agony, which well, is, like, uh, the, that last phrase, the last like three panels are fucking like awesome. Um, yeah, when I look at myself completely unadorned, all I see is suffering. If I'm completely honest, there's only one thing I've ever been able to inflict on the world. The only thing I've ever truly known. Agony. Agony. Yeah. It's just like, so fucking good. It's so fucking brutal. And just like, ugh. <clears throat> You know, after reading this, I was like, yeah, this is the perfect ending to this dude's trilogy, you know? Yeah. I don't need anything else. I'm happy. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, sure enough, he came back. There's one more. 
We're on to Death of the Bat, which is presumably the final story in this odyssey. Um, In this odyssey. I hope there's more. I hope he finds some reason to make another one or just something else, you know. Um, Yeah. Not even Batman related, but just, you know. I want to see more bootleg content like this. Yeah, I mean, I would think that the... I'll call it the dream verse uh, is over <laughs> yeah. uh, at the conclusion of this story. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we open up on a uh, Gotham City that is much more uh, decayed and broken than it was before. We can, if we use our our magnifying glasses, we can spot Wayne Manor sitting in the back. Um, and there oh, is yeah. a f- family of... Uh, what appears to be, uh, well, I won't get into what they appear to be just yet because they don't quite appear to be it, you know, right off the bat. But they, there's a family digging through a pile of stuff in the wasteland, and they come upon Clayface, <laughs> maybe a whole family of Clay, like all the Clayfaces. Actually. Yeah, even the one with like that's in the suit that yeah. has the 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 the. the the helmet. Yeah. Uh, they find all of them, and uh, <clears throat> those clay faces commence trying to destroy the family. They eat a child, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yep. Let's see. In the middle of all this chaos, they are interrupted by this sudden appearance of the bat helicopter. <laughs> We're able to see bat jumping from it. Um, Yeah, that was really trippy seeing the clay faces. It's like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't sure, like, what it was at first, and then I saw, like, the dude with the gun and the helmet, and I was like, oh my god, this is... These are fucking clay faces. Like, this dude is... I mean, he's he's at least red. The Alan Moore clay face, you know. Yeah. With the robo head. He's got some kind of, you know, some kind of affection for for all these, you know? And it's yeah. like... He's hitting all the hits, you know? Yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice to have, like, the second one be Joker, then, like, yeah, third one give you, like, a little bit more of it really just be, like, a bat one, and then this one you get, like, Robin and Clayface. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's really... <coughs> He really fucking plays the hits, even though yeah. he's, like, clearly doing whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. I like the staging of this fight scene, too, where Batman is moving very quickly, so we're not really getting the full... It's a little bit disorienting because of where we left him. And he kind so of not... looks like him as he's... He kind of looks like the old him <clears throat> as he's moving around. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're you're seeing, you know, these quick flashes of like, oh, and it sort of makes you go, well, when is this in time? Um, and then we get the reveal uh, after he saves the family of uh, Batman just as we left him, uh, naked and completely mutilated <laughs> and proclaiming, I'm a bat, and pointing to the symbol on his chest. Uh <laughs> And then, you know, the family is very confused, and he's, <clears throat> he's, 
he's reverting to like just standard Batman protocol. Worry not. You're safe now, citizens. While he looks like a complete fucking monster. <laughs> Do you see me? I'm a bat. I'm a bat. He yells at the top of his lungs and then gets shot with what appears to be the gun that the Clayface was using. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as blood squirts from his shoulder, he also uh, <laughs> uncontrollably ejaculates, which is absolutely stunning uh, and perfect, you know. Uh, Naturally. He, he falls to the ground and uh, basically is made quick work of. Uh, his head gets chopped off um, and he gets eviscerated. And uh, it is absolutely fucking haunting and shocking and disturbing. Uh, yeah, just like... Yeah, the kind of severity of his execution. It happens. It just he just goes down so quick, mm-hmm. which is stunning. Um, you know, and they rip his pieces out and put them on a on a grill, so that you know it's you know they're surviving in the post apocalypse. They are cannibals. Um, well, the fucking clay faces <laughs> re, re- uh, constitute. Yep. They take off. Uh, we watch them kind of melon ball out Batman's brains and toss them into a stew, and then they throw away the head. And uh, as that happens, we see Batman as he once was, looking at them, calling them criminals, saying they need to be punished. And then we're introduced to this universe's version of Robin, who is, uh, very, there's a lot of emphasis on, like, the teenageness of this Robin, pimples and all. Um, he's drawing a picture of the universe, or a diagram of the universe. And Batman looks really cartoony and great in this. Yeah, I oh. like I like the uh, the kind of original, you know, uh, or like an unscathed bat design that Pat Kick has. Yeah, he obviously is interrupted from looking at what Robin's drawn by the Clayfaces coming back to eat the cannibals, <laughs> which is fantastic. <clears throat> he still has to he has to hurt them. I love that. Look at those criminals. I need to get over there and hurt them. (laughs) But yeah, really great philosophical fucking convo between Robin and Batman here. Uh, Yeah, they plunge into like the, like, an underground cavern and then into water in an underground lake. Um... There's a shot of them, like, coming up out of the water, and they're talking about, uh, you know, like Robin saying, you know, you died alone because you were too myopic and neurotic and closed down because your mission came before letting any light and love into your life. And Batman says, I got all the satisfaction I needed from the war, the criminals I hurt, again and again. And there's this shot 
with Batman sitting on the shore and Robin standing behind him facing in the opposite direction. And uh, I didn't go too far with this, but to me, what I'm seeing in, like, the, there's these openings in the cave and these, like, kind of ghostly figures back there, they appear to all be gods of death um, from multiple cultures, which is kind of interesting. Um, cool. <clears throat> punctuated with, like, you know, you see that in one panel and the next one is Batman saying, I had a good life, helped a lot of people, hurt a lot of people. Romance, excitement, adventure, can't complain. I was one of the wealthiest men in history. I slept with tons of beautiful women. I saved so many lives. And then, shouting, <laughs> manically, I was a hero. I was huge. I was bigger than Jesus. Bigger than Hitler. Bigger than Coca-Cola. <laughs> Which is, I mean, all those things you should strive to be. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> That's like a totally normal thought to have, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, what they're talking about, it's not anything like super revelatory for an outside observer. Uh, anybody that reads the comics can kind of tell you this stuff, but it is interesting to watch Robin and Batman have a discussion about Bruce's sort of desire to kind of repeat uh, these traumas over and over, you know, and the idea that he's, like, chasing that repetition. Um, it's interesting. Uh, and it's fun to see them have that sort of reckoning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like that that spread of uh <clears throat> of like Batman punching the Joker in like billions of different ways. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean we have like a you know this journey keeps on going and it gets like cosmic and they run into Riddleman and Riddleman <laughs> ask him the greatest riddle of all time. He says, why do we live? And Batman's answer is, uh, to, uh, because we are the most important beings in the universe, because, uh, we're here to bring peace to the universe, one punch at a time. And then Riddleman says, <laughs> wrong answer. Who gives a fuck? You exist. Enjoy it. And it's like, that's sound advice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't worry about it. Don't fret it. Just enjoy it. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, like, this whole thing, he kind of winds up in, like, a pseudo version of heaven, and, uh, you know, him and Robin are sitting and talking, and they wind up seeing, like, Batman gets pissed off because the Joker is up in heaven with them, and he's sort of like, after everything that that guy did, he gets to be up here, you know? I love the panel of him showing up as like hand waving. He's like, "Hi, hey, buddy, <laughs> hey, buddy." <laughs> he wasn't punished for his monstrous wife. Fucking joke, man. <laughs> yeah, he he manages like voices really well. Like the the dude is such a good cartoonist. Yeah, like 
Josh Simmons is really, uh, really one of the best, you know, one of the smartest. And it, it, it reads simply, like his pet kick, you know, does a great job dressing him up. But, like, Josh Simmons' cartooning is, like, incredibly clear and incredibly, like, straightforward. But, like, he manages so much with it. Yeah. I like, like what Robin says here, too. Like, we don't judge or have the same strictures based around morality that you do on Earth. Joke man, whatever. He lived, he did his thing, he fulfilled his purpose, as did his victims. It's kind of like an interesting kind of very zen sort of look at that, like without judgment, just sort of like, yeah, no, I mean, that's what he was supposed to do, unfortunately, I mean, and his victims did what they were supposed to do. I mean, uh, when Batman says I can shape my own afterlife and he's like, yes, I mean, I would suggest accepting guidance from me, from us, but yes, you can do anything you want. And then he says, let's take a look. You just did the extreme existence trip. Very popular. Souls choosing to manifest in times of great upheaval and apocalypse. Adrenaline junkies always go for that one. Wild times, yes? So it's like, everything that we've seen up until this point is some version of Batman already being dead. Like, we were on the path of, like... I don't know, it's weird. It's like he came out of one version of his afterlife and now he gets to choose again if he wants to do something different. You know? Yeah. Which is strange. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, like, Robin wants to... Robin's ch- like chose to kind of uh, embrace this sort of like, becoming one with everything. Um, and a kind of enlightened path that he's chosen to kind of ascend and become more than that. And then the panel that you were talking about, where it's, like, Batman and the Joker fighting over and over and over again in, like, slight variations of both of their costumes. Like, they're... It's, it's pretty incredible how many of these he drew... And they're all distinct. They're all very different from one another. But they're all telling the same story of this constant, never-ending struggle between Batman and the Joker. And that that's pretty much what Batman chooses to do. Um, <clears throat> like, I don't know, it's, a, it's an interesting... Th- it's, I don't know, it's really interesting to watch it play out in a way that isn't implied... It's a way that it's actually very straightforward. Like, this is really who he is, you know, even in these most intensive circumstances. This is what he'll choose. Um, And I like the end here of, uh, you know, they call it the Hyperbat. And uh, one of the gods asks Robin... He says, well, he seems happy or, you know, content inside himself as much as he can be. It's fine. And then he says, are you disappointed? He's doing what he's always done, playing out his little simulation for all eternity. And Robin says, he might still evolve. Give him a few billion years. A blip inside a blip. 
inside a blip. And I really like that uh, as a testament to Bruce Wayne himself because, you know, even the gods marvel at the stubbornness of this man. You know, this man won't compromise. You know, this man will chase this thing down for all eternity because that's what he needs to do. That's who he is. And uh, I actually really like that resolution to all of this. It's a very, like, it's a nice insight into the character. And I like the, <laughs> you know, we wind up pulling back from this conversation that's happened and we can see a bunch of other dimensions, you know, other universes that are encapsulated in these little kind of, like, tic-tac-shaped objects, you know? Yeah. And then we pull back from that and we realize that they're actually <clears throat> in this ring. And then we pull back from that and we realize that the ring that they're in is actually, like, the iris of Batman. And we pull back from that and we realize it's, like, Batman's, you know, skull after he's been... had his head chopped off. And, uh, we kind of stick with the skull through eons of, um, all sorts of different changes. The skull staying in the same place, you know, unmoved, you know, maybe seemingly unmovable. And the last image is one million years after the death of the bat, and it's still there, you know, almost fusing with the ground, you know, this, like, permanent fixture now in the world, you know. And there's something to all of that that feels <clears throat> very, very appropriate for what Batman is, you know. Yeah, like, as a, a character that endures forever in a myriad of forms. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on a meta level, and on a character level, too. Yeah. There's just this, you know, like, he will always be, you know, uh, you know, what he's formed himself into is something that cannot be denied, you know, and cannot be forgotten. And there's something about that resolution that feels like a almost like a love letter to probably the best part like one of the great parts of Batman for me is the complete it's like a like he's unconquerable you know what I mean like his spirit cannot be broken you know and his mission cannot be he cannot be persuaded to not pursue that goal. And it's something that I find really empowering about that character is the way that he will not compromise. And, you know, does it lead to things where it's like, well, cosmically speaking, like, <clears throat> I think there's the idea of transcendence. The idea of transcendence is the idea of, like, giving yourself over to 
something bigger than yourself. And what I always kind of admire about Batman is the complete shunning of any type, like, any type of acceptance of that at all. So what they do here is kind of exciting because it's hitting on one of my favorite aspects of the character, which is he is stubborn, you know, and he really cannot be, um, he cannot really be reasoned with, you know, he's going to do what he's going to do. And there's something in that, that uh, is for me almost, um, admirable, you know, despite whether or not it means, it, like, it, it probably means that he's not going to have a good life, ever. There's no version of his existence where things are good for him, but he's always in control of that. He's always making the choice to be stubborn, you know, <laughs> and I kind of admire it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> It's a, uh, I don't know, it's a, uh, I don't know, he's an enduring character, you know? Yeah. It's just a great testament to how, um, how really tough as nails his resolve is as a person, you know? And I think that that's, uh, to me, it's just, like, super exciting to see it done in this way and done in such a cosmic scope, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he um, manages to, like, do the, the interpersonal Batman stuff better than most and then also be able to, like, blow it up and get, like, really weird with it and still have it land, like, perfectly, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's sort of like, if, like, people like to go, like, oh, Batman's money is sort of his superpower or whatever, but I think, like, it's his will and his ability to self-regulate are his superpowers, you know? I don't think that there's anybody on Earth that, and I mean, I include, like, Green Lanterns in that, too, like, I think that how or John Stewart getting that ring is incidental. It's just that they were closer. Yeah. You know, I think Batman easily could be a Green Lantern, you know, uh, and probably one of the best in the world, in the universe, you know. Um, and I think, like, the self regulation is like, how do you. How do you go up against people as despicable as the Joker and, you know, that are hurting people that you love and not cross a line? How are you able to pull yourself back from the edge of something like that? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's a just a fascinating character. He's stubborn and... Uh, uncompromising and incorruptible and completely insane and completely insane i mean i think like that's totally fair you know it's an interesting speculation 
uh, you know, no, what I, they're doing in this book is fascinating. You know? Yeah. No, it, it, it <clears throat> I don't know. This, this feels like the most, um, I don't know, wholly satisfying comic I've read in a long time as like a grown up kid, you yeah. know, like this, this book helps me like, uh, I don't know, like find some, some justification in like taking this, the goofy shit that I take seriously, seriously, or like as seriously as I do. You know, like why I make bootlegs, or like why hmm. I like am still engaged by superheroes or fucking whatever, and like comics in general. And it's like, you know, there's there's stuff to be mined, and like there yeah. are giant archetypes that are, you know, as personal to to each person approaching them as they are diverse, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's special and it's a nice, like, yeah, I don't know. Just like affirmation. Comics are like the other thing that's important to keep in mind with characters like this is they benefit from collective storytelling, you know? And, One of the things that, like, for me, stands out is it doesn't make the work easier, necessarily. I don't want it to sound like that, because I do think that in order to do this well, you have to come at it with a viewpoint and with something worth saying. Um, But there is a little bit of a shorthand to get to more powerful moments through being able to take what already exists and add to it, you know? Yeah, and, understanding iconography. Yeah, and I think that they're, like, he's doing that really well here, you know? And it's certain some, certainly something that I would aspire to do, and I mean, I think it's something that we've done with the punishment. You know, the first one, sure... But the second one that's coming is, I think, a good push for maybe a deeper understanding of who Frank Castle is. And this is an interesting push for a deeper understanding of who Bruce is, you know? And I mean, it's all done up in sort of parody language and everything, but like, I won't read this book any different than I would read any other Bat book, you know? Like, this is just as valid... And just as, if not more important than most of the Bat comics that are sitting on my shelf, you know? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, that's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. I am very glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know, this stuff is just really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this is the stuff that, like, gets my gears turning. And when, like, people talk about, like, what you were saying about feeling like it gives some validation to why you take the things, like, why you take these things seriously. It's like, you know, it's unfortunate that you don't see this type of exploration more often. 
Yeah. But it's something that needs to be done. And it sort of feels like, you know, when the main publishing house is more interested in, like, what if Batman and Catwoman got married? And, like, soap <laughs> opera shit? And like, there's... censoring tasteful peen? Yeah. That happened two or three times in one issue? Yeah. Like... Who Oof. cares? You guys Who cares about either of those things? Clowning yourselves. And then you got this dude who's literally having Batman ejaculate all over himself as he's going, she showed me her sweet pussy, and just like <laughs> making a total fucking ass of himself, but still managing to land like a better Batman pound for pound, for lack of a better, or you know, a funnier metaphor or whatever. Um, yeah. Inch for inch, maybe? Like... Uh, just and just doing it better than than they are, fucking a thousand percent, you know. And it's, yeah. I don't know. It it's it's one of my favorite books ever. It's by one of my favorite cartoonists ever now. Uh, and uh, I just, it's an incredibly valuable piece. Yeah. On multiple levels, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is the exploration of, like, real character work that I would like to see in comics. But unfortunately, right. comics are much more plot-driven. Like, a, a Marvel comic or a DC... Any superhero comic, really, it's probably mostly about the plot. And I think that that's why, like, certain movies rise up uh, you know, like when they talk about like movies transcending the genre or something, you always take offense at that because it's like, well, comic books aren't a fucking, you know, they're not some fucking deformed mutant genre or something that like nothing good comes out of. But there is like a level of like, part of that stigma comes from people not taking the time to invest in the characters the way that they need to be invested in so that these stories can actually matter, you know? Um, yeah, or do something interesting. Yeah. Have a take. Like, it's not like you do a Batman book and you just go like, oh, well, what are all the what are all the classic hits, you know, what Batman does? It's like, oh, he's going okay to punch somebody. Yeah. He's going to fight the Joker. It's like, okay... Yeah. This isn't aliens, people. Yeah. I mean, you can lean this into that stuff. Aliens. This is not aliens. Um, I mean, you can lean into that stuff at times. But if you don't yeah. have something to say beyond that, then you shouldn't be working on the character. And there are a lot of people that don't have much to say beyond that. You know? Don't have much interesting to say beyond that. Yeah. And... I don't know. You just want to keep repeating the same, you know, the same shit over and over again. It just is diminishing returns. You're just hurting the character, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think this book is a testament to A, DC's size right now. And just their sheer level of, like, not giving a fuck. Uh, yeah. Because this dude is a 
published and relatively popular cartoonists. This is a hardcover out of France, so maybe they're, that's off their radar, but like this dude has been putting out zines and stuff like that. And these bad books that have been collected in other American publishers' books yeah. um, to no consequence. And uh, yeah, and now that this is like kind of come out, it's like, I don't know, it kind of blows the doors down. And it's like, wow, I could fuck, you could fucking, not that you can do anything, but if you do it right, you know, you can fly under the radar and, uh, you know, get somebody to give you some support. Like, the back I mean, matter is... in this book is just another kind of, like, show of support for this book. Yeah. Like, it. It's the only color section, which I fucking love. Yeah. Like, the pin-up galleries, full color. Like, yeah. perfect. You get the first page that's full color with, like, just the Batman and, like, the spectrum of villains underneath him with the little yeah ejaculate on his chest of stars. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's got the couple extra comics in there with him cleaning up. Catwoman's poop with his mouth. Uh, that was a great. That's great. Yeah, uh, and I was sort of pissed off that that wasn't in the Batman. <laughs> I heard that they filmed a similar scene. <laughs> I bet. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I it uh, it makes me want to do a one-page comic of us meeting. Yeah, you know. Like the the last, I think the last page in this book before the the credits page is like uh, Pat and Josh meeting for the first time. Be like, oh yeah, yeah. my favorite my favorite dinosaur is the Plankiosaurus or whatever. Yeah, no, shut the fuck up. That's my yeah. favorite dinosaur. And then it's like both of them with the <laughs> dinosaur getting like stabbed in the fucking ribs and bleeding. Yeah, with like Batman on the end. Yeah, but I think. For, at least for the Punishment Collection, we should do a fun little, you know, back matter collection. Yeah. No, that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a tour de force in terms of, like, a independent comic bootleg. I mean, this is classy. We discussed my one critique oh, yeah. a while back, but there's a thing about... The way that books are... So, like, books and DVDs are supposed yep. to sit on a shelf... And this one, for whatever reason, the spine is printed in the reverse of that format. And I find it a little bit annoying. But also, given the scope of what Dream of the Bat is about, and it being about something that is seemingly familiar, but that something's very wrong with, it's sort of like, oh, actually, <laughs> that's a great metaphor for what the book's about. So now this can sit on my shelf upside down and backwards, and I won't be as upset about it, given the content of the book. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's great. It's really great. Honest to God, like, if you were to say that this was an expanded version of Josh Simmons's, you know, Batman black and white story... I would be like, oh, no shit, that's pretty cool. Like, this is this would be a fine black and white. 
You know? Easy. The perfect Batman black and white. Easy. You know? And it's yeah. just they don't have the fucking cojones, you know, to do it. Are you kidding? Can oh. you imagine that fucking room of, like, corporate fucking shitheads just recoiling in terror at that page of Batman jacking off? The page of Batman jacking off, the page of the Joker <laughs> shitting and smearing his shit on his face. Uh, the pinup yeah. of Joker sucking Batman's dick over his shoulder with his feet around his, his balls. Yeah, yeah, that that was very erotic, and I only I only fapped to it five times. Um, uh, no, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and until DC can figure it out they're gonna keep making fucking you know dinosaur fucking justice league books which are yeah. awesome and uh you know bad batman books uh, yeah but you know more power to this guy to these yeah. guys to us you know us people that get a chance to uh you know just Say something about the stuff that we love, unfettered. Yeah, with sincerity and with yeah. a point of view that hasn't been edited out. You know, yeah. that's my fear. Is I wonder how many of these writers have something interesting to say that it's getting critiqued in the wrong directions by people above them. You know. Because there could be writers that are working on Batman today that have very interesting things to bring to the table that just are not being allowed to. And for God's sake, if if that is happening, you know, like, get the fuck out of people's way. Don't be afraid to push the boundaries and do something different. And, like, especially at a place like DC where you're dealing with, like, Elseworlds content all the time, it's always been multiverse has always been a big part of DC stuff and like you can you can actually publish you know Dream of the Bat without it like fucking up any continuity or anything you could be like you could take this and you could allow it to exist out in the multiverse of your canon and it wouldn't change anything like it wouldn't change anything about like your core brand but it would add great dimension to your catalog if you would allow people to fucking do shit like this you know um it's not gonna hurt anybody you know just like Lieber Mayho's dick isn't gonna hurt anybody well his drawing of a dick isn't gonna hurt anybody his actual dick might hurt somebody because I think that guy is packing a hog the, the sure. drawing of Batman's dick that wasn't gonna hurt yeah, anybody it's not gonna hurt anybody it's like totally yeah. okay to and then fucking adult, let and these fucking stories adult exist. Line. Yeah, like you have a yeah. you have a rating system for a reason. You have right fucking like poly bags for a reason. Yep. You could literally just drop that in the bag and close it off if you're worried about kids getting their hands on it. Yeah. Slapping adults only on it. Problem well, solved. The thing is, is that you know, I'm fully aware that. You know, Batman was intended for a younger audience. I'm fully aware of this. However, that audience grows up, mm -hmm. you know, and they become adults. 
and they but want different stories that that push not, different things. Yeah, you if know? you were making one bad book, I would understand the argument. Yeah, and it's like okay, so so you guys want to make one bad book for everybody? Yeah, it's just like no. Oh, you want to make a thousand fucking bad books? One yep. for every fucking niche ever? Every yeah. demographic. Okay. Yeah. Like, make your kid shit, kid shit. Make your young adult shit, young adult shit. Make your fucking adult shit, adult shit. And then have your fucking, you know, hard R-rated adult shit be fucking loaded with pain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... Here's the thing: is Batman more than any or of the characters? I don't think even boobs make it into these books. Like, I don't think I've read a black label book that does anything more than a normal fucking. Book. Yeah, I'm like, I don't even think like the thing is the thing too is that we're not even talking about anything gratuitous. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're not even talking. We're not talking not about saying, anything you know, approaching this porn. level. No, no, no. But we're not even talking about, like, anything approaching the level of Death of the Bat. We're not even talking about anything yeah. approaching Bat 497. We're talking yeah. about Lieber Mayho draws Batman in the Batcave, having come home from fighting crime, and there happens to be, a, a, you know, a cock included in the bed. page. Alfred spreading his butt cheeks. <laughs> you just see his butthole puckering. I mean, it's fine. You just Hello, let it there. Through a let it be through a ball gag, he tries to say hello, Master Wayne. <laughs> Good evening, Master Wayne. <laughs> Master, I don't know um, why uh, my brain went to Jeremy Irons for that one, but I know why. I think I think I know why too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, like to me, like that Lee Bermejo thing was like a huge indication of like what you're allowed and not allowed to do and it's just like i don't think that batman having a cock is terribly controversial <laughs> i feel like batman's had a cock for pretty much the entire time i mean it's one half of his name indicates cock you know what I mean? like <laughs> yeah i mean it's the uh it's the inability of these corporations to be, yeah, you know, or to make like adult stuff, I guess, or something. Oh, you know, it's just... You're trying to well, like make I a profit. You're yeah, trying to make say... a profit. You're trying to, you know, appeal to kids so that you get money. Yeah. And it's like, God damn it! Has any good artistic adults. decision ever been made because children exist? Yeah. It's like no, never. They say it's Not like once. adults only, but this is like a Catholic fucking, you know, fucking chaste, just virginal, you know, childish fucking grown ass people just being like, no, yeah, we cannot even have the illusion of a penis in this book. It's no. like. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. There hasn't been anything in any of the other bat, like bat or otherwise books that I've picked up. Like no excessive gore, no like no. bad language. Yeah, I'm like looking for a fuck or like a 
couple of shits, you know, something like to give it a hard PG thirteen at least, and it's just like nothing. I, I Sean mean, Murphy's fucking, you know, anime bat book is a black label book. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I haven't read it, but or the new stuff, but it's like that stuff is not adult. I, you know, that one of the ones that's big for me is language. That's a that's a big one for me. With, you know, I don't. I mean, do you think Batman doesn't swear in your heart of hearts? If you had to, if you had to, like, say yay or nay on that one, like, where does your mind ultimately fall? And it's like, I, it depends. Probably does. I don't think he swears at criminals. <laughs> Because no. I don't think he says that much, but like, you know, he'll curse himself out or something like that, but like... Yeah, or he'll be doing something and it won't go well, you know, he'll, he'll like, in Hush when the fucking gargoyle comes off the side of the building and he falls down onto the street, if you don't think, he's like, fuck! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you don't think, the, it's just a natural human reaction, you know, just in the spur of the moment, like, yeah, I think probably... That's a high, a high pressure situation, and a lot of times you swear to relieve pressure. It wouldn't surprise me all that much if he did, you know. But I definitely would go all of his criminals swear. I definitely think every member of his fucking rogues gallery swears. There's no way, you know. So it's well, I mean, like you know. it's a weird that we don't have any books like that. We don't have any books with nudity. We don't have any books with you know, and it's like. I don't need that stuff to be there, but it just is weird that it's so out of the question. You yeah. Know? Well, they have. A, I feel like people have a hard time writing it without it becoming excessive or something. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think, a result of all of the censorship that we've been brought up with and all of this, like, subversion that so many artists have had to resort to to just, like... <laughs> Get some cheeky fucking jabs in there, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the fear is that somebody does like a bad. Sorry. <sighs> the fear is that somebody does like a bad Tarantino script or something, you know. Yeah. But it's just like realistically, it's hard to imagine. And, and I mean, I, I look back at like Batman the animated series with a lot of fondness because they were. There's that episode, um, uh, Never Too Late, I think is the name of it, where it's like the son of a mob boss is missing and, you know, there's gonna be a gang war because he thinks that, like, Rupert Thorne might be behind it or whatever the fuck, and Batman winds up, like, saving him from, you know, an assassination attempt and then shows him where his son is, and he's, like, at a detox center because he was found on the streets. Like, I think, potentially, he was overdosing, and, like, the kicker was that he was overdosing on a drug that this guy is bringing into the city. And it was, like... And, and it was... I think it was, like, crack or something fucking crazy. Like, like they went full tilt. Like, they were, like it's this drug and they talked about it in Batman the animated series like that was a Saturday morning cartoon 
geared for kids. And it's like, you know what? I respect the fucking shit out of that because, you know, it's not, I don't think it's inappropriate. It's like, yeah, this I mean, is, this is real. Is rated PG. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Ooh. my level of like rating system, you Ooh. know? Yeah. Maybe PG-13 for Spaceballs, but like, you know. Well, there was a lot of, that was, I think, Indiana Jones was was where PG-13 came from. Because parents were like, this is too fucking scary and violent, you know? And and they were like, this shouldn't be for kids. And they were like, yeah, but it can't be rated R. And then they were like, oh, I guess we have to come up with PG-13, you know? So a twelve-year-old can't watch this, but a thirteen-year-old totally can. <laughs> what the fuck gives a shit? Like yeah, I don't right. know. <clears throat> I mean, I watched The Shining. I, I mean, I've said this probably before, but like I watched The Shining and Jaws on the same day when I was four, and it's had absolutely no long-standing side effects whatsoever. <laughs> Those are both I'm totally fine. Right? Hard R's, <laughs> very hard R's. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I. Batman's a character, Frank Miller said before, like, he's a diamond. It's like, you you can hang him from a chandelier, or you can throw him in the corner, that fucker shines. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter what you do with him. And that holds true. It seems like you can have a Batman for any age bracket, you know, or any type of person. And it's like, well, why not fucking do something with that idea, you know? I don't think Death of... Like, I don't think uh, Dream of the Bat... It's probably not for everyone. But I bet it's for a pretty sizable fucking audience of Batman fans. Would love to see something like this actually embraced. I think true true Batman fans will get a kick out of this book. Yeah, in the same way that I think of, like... There's a thing about... um, people that listen to, like, heavy metal, that they're actual... They they also seem to listen to classical music, too, in higher numbers than people... Like, if you listen to classical music, you're more likely li- to listen to heavy metal, you know, and vice versa. So, to me, this kind of falls into that same kind of argument, where it's like... There are some people that would look at, like, the gore and the extreme sexuality stuff that's in this, and they would be turned off by it. And then there are people like us that go, yeah, but why? You know what I mean? Like, why is it there? What does it mean? You know? And it doesn't really matter, like, that it's there. What matters is why it's there. You know what I mean? And and that's where I sit. I really don't get too sensitive about anything that I see, but it does, if they're showing me something, it causes me to question why they're showing it to me, you know? So, I kind of equate it to that same conversation of, like, there's plenty of people that don't, that won't want to see it, but there's a sizable amount of people that can experience it and respect its place in the story without much fanfare, you know, not yeah. a lot of pushback. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. 
It's a it's a great book. It's a whopper. Yeah, and it's a really breezy, breezy read. Like I was yeah. not expecting to like finish it as fast as I did today, and uh, it's. I mean, it's a crime of comics that something this good can be read, read that fast, you know. Yeah. And like, I can read it and like go back and like pour over it, and read it much faster. But just like, you know. Yeah, it's a real it's a real breeze of a of a book, despite yeah. it kind of like packing the punch that it does. Yeah, it's really awesome. I fucking love this thing. Like I said, I'm very excited for the film adaptation with George Clooney. <laughs> There's no word exactly when that's coming out yet, but Damn. I believe that it is on the horizon. Can you can you imagine? <laughs> Be perfect, like, George Clooney and fucking. Uh, yeah, I guess you could do Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Yeah, why not? I think Joker has to be Jared Leto, though. Oh, yeah. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go worse Batman, oh, I think yeah. you gotta go worse Joker. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Just to just to watch Jared Leto smear shit on his face in not a grainy cell phone <laughs> video that I took on a tour bus would be fantastic. <laughs> And he kind of looks like him in the the Snyder Cut, you know? Yeah. Again, another reason why, you know, Batman and the Joker in the post-apocalypse, I'm like, I wonder what's on Snyder's bookshelf. Just curious. Yeah, right? You know? But it does make me wonder. Yeah. But. Yeah, dude. My kingdom. My kingdom for Josh Simmons and Pat Keck. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. This was great. I really enjoyed this. Hell yeah. Um, so Favorite yeah, chapter? next week... Next week... Next week... Next week it'll be a new year. We're not gonna... I don't know if we're doing our uh, yearly... Um, recap. Kind of like... Eh. This is gonna count as the yearly recap. Um, next week I don't know what we're doing. We'll figure it out. We'll cool. find out soon and and then we'll go from there. But anyways, everybody, thank you for listening. If you're still with us, um, yeah, we love you. And have a good rest of your week. And happy new year. And go see, go see. Oh, go pick up this book. Babylon. Even though it's probably not going to be Yeah. Yeah, also go see Babylon. Yeah, Dream of the Bat and Babylon, which uh, opened to an abysmal, like, less than $5 million in its opening weekend. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Support it. Go go try to take care of it. I mean, it's, that's yeah. Avatar's fault. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it was not, you know, it, it, it's good to root against it, but it's not good to bet against it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's important to differentiate those two things but anyways guys uh have a good week and we'll see you later hey guys uh i just want to take a moment to ask you to please head over to 
ronbeekiii.com slash shop and take a look at the comics that I have for sale. In particular, I want to highlight what to do when you frame yourself for serial murder, volume one. It's the first issue of a three-issue series um, about a guy who sort of accidentally, through being in the wrong place at the wrong time, becomes the prime and only suspect in a series of grisly homicides. Um, And you'll never guess uh, how the first issue ends. So go check it out.